Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this room tonight. Invade this whole plaza, even to the floors below and above. Shake everything that can be shaken. Holy Spirit, like a mighty wind, just breathe upon each and every person. That not one person will leave you the same way they walked in these doors. And those that are watching by way of television, wherever they might be, thank you for what you did last night, what you did this morning, what you're going to do tonight, and then what you're going to do tomorrow morning and tomorrow night. Thank you that between now and tomorrow night, people will never be the same again. Touch your people in a very special way tonight. And Father, we covenant with you in advance to give you all the glory, all the praise and the honor, for you alone are worthy to receive all glory and all honor and all praise. Thank you for America, this land that you put us in. Thank you. You're not done with America yet. No matter what the plan of the wicked is, it shall all unravel. That even tonight, every plan of the enemy is being set back. And every plan of heaven is advancing. Thank you, Lord. You said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you, Lord, that you're not coming back for a weak, defeated church, hiding somewhere, waiting to be rescued, but you're coming back for a glorious church. You're coming back for those that occupy until I come. And you even said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? And Lord, yes, we want to declare tonight, you will find faith. For even in Las Vegas, Nevada, there's a group of people tonight that will not back down, but will stand up and boldly proclaim and announce that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's risen from the dead, that he paid the price on Calvary, shed his blood, rose from the dead, and is coming very, very soon. And we thank you for that. But Lord, we also know that when Jesus left, he said, I won't leave you alone. I'm going to send another comforter, the Holy Ghost, the paraclete, the one called alongside to help, our helper, our teacher, our guide, our strengthener, our advocate, our intercessor. Everything that we need is in the person of the Holy Ghost. And that he's in this room here tonight to lead and guide each and every person regardless of the struggles that many have gone through over the years tonight, may you speak that peace word where you say, peace be still, and may all those storms cease tonight, we pray. And we thank you for it. Now, Holy Ghost, do whatever you want to do. This is not our meeting. We came here in obedience to you, to obey you. Thank you for two ministries working together. Lord, you told me before you come back, ministries would work together where you wouldn't know where the one started, the other one ended. <laughs> and we're seeing that take place. Thank you, Father, we work together for the same purpose. And it shall take place even more and more that the names of men will just go by the by and men will just, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine, and they'll work together and the harvest shall be brought in and the kingdom of God shall flourish. 
Now I take authority over the spirit that has caused division here in the city of Vegas. You foul devil that actual, <laughs> that actual, actual fact operated in even the building of this town and that whole mafia spirit that now is integrated into the church. And I bind that and render it powerless and ineffective even tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that the walls of division amongst the churches and denominations in this city will fall by the wayside. And there won't be this group, that group, and they're all fighting each other or not even coming into agreement. But there'll be one group, those that are blood-bought and washed in the blood of Jesus. And I thank you for that now and we give you praise and honor and glory. Thank you, Lord. You've not forgotten Las Vegas. Vegas shall shine like a diamond in the desert. And we give you praise, honor, and glory <laughs> in, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Get ready and watch what's going to happen. I'm telling you, God's not finished yet. Amen. Now I'll tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong here tonight. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, won't you just turn and greet two or three people, tell them you love them, Jesus loves them, and then maybe seated. it. Hallelujah. What an honor to be here. I was lost in the city preaching. I've been back a few times for some conferences that had nothing to do with, you know, they were broadcasting and different things, innovation and stuff like that. So I've been back in the city for that. I did stop through, meet with a few people and played around a golf, but really haven't really been back here much. I preached here back in 1988 on the Strip. We just arrived in America in December 1987, and I was so excited I get to preach in Las Vegas, you know, and uh, drove in from L.A. and preached. And uh, But I've always had Las Vegas on our heart and just never could find any place that would even, you know, because I try to work with churches, and every place... Even other people called said, we're not interested. We don't want that guy here. And uh, the, big, the big concern was joy. They didn't like the joy in our meetings because we have a lot of joy in our services. And uh, so they didn't want that because basically if people get happy, then you can't control them, you know. They and they might cause trouble. <laughs> Happy people are just, they don't, don't they let other things affect them, like normal people, which you laugh about, but actual fact, that was actually a proposal by a guy called Dr. Richard Bentle back 
in uh, Liverpool University. He, they were at a medical symposium, and he brought this proposal to declare that happy people were suffering from a form of mental illness. <laughs> because he said that happy people were not normal, because a normal person goes through the ups and downs of sadness and depression and just you know, having a rough time. Happy people just go through life and they're just happy and they just... So he felt that this was his discourse that he gave at a, at a big medical symposium and he said, he, he probably spoke for about 40 minutes and then he ended it up by saying, um, even though he proposed that happiness was a mental disease, he didn't really feel that happy people would come for help. <laughs> so... He actually shot himself with the foot because you get up to propose that happiness is a mental disorder and then you come to the conclusion, well, I know we're supposed to treat these people, but who's going to come for help? Rush that guy to the emergency room right now. He's just too happy. People come in laughing their head off. Ha ha, what's wrong with you? I don't know, I got attacked by joy. I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Quickly rush him in, uh, inject him with some whatever to calm the dude down. He's just too happy. But um, that's the way the church is supposed to be. Can you say amen? I mean, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you don't have joy, what do you have? Hello. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and in the Holy Ghost. So when are you supposed to have it? No, no. If you can't get joy here tonight at the meeting, when, when are you supposed to get it? Do we have, do we have another room we can take you here? So, so this will be more of a somber service here tonight. And all those wishing to have joy, please go to the joy room. Because God knows we couldn't have you overflowing with joy and if you left here, you'd be staggering through the casino and some people would think that you were drunk and it would be a terrible, terrible thing if people got the reputation of being Christians coming to a meeting here in Las Vegas and they were staggering around, uh, you know, in the lobby, drunk on the Holy Ghost. I mean, what do you think happened on the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 2 says, when the day of Pentecost fully come, there was one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. Peter and them cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah, that's what happened. And some people were amazed and some people doubted and said to one another, what does this mean? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter got up and said, uh, these are not drunk as you suppose. They're drunk, but not as you suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And you young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour in these, those days of my spirit, and they'll prophesy. And I'll show signs and wonders in the heavens above and the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. 
which of course, I've never heard of so many blood moons, they line up every month now. <laughs> Another blood moon. Okay, bro, seriously. Uh, that is what does happen, you know, but anyway. Um, no, I mean, that's why Jesus told them to go and tarry at Jerusalem, to be empowered by the Holy Ghost, and so that the Holy Spirit would come and take full control of their life. The devil wants to get into people's lives, so where they influenced by demons or become demon-possessed. You can go around the city. I'm sure you'll find a few people with a couple of passengers. Are you with me? And they don't know where they picked it up. If some people got a busload. <laughs> That's why Jesus tells us, in my name you'll cast out devils. Amen. Amen. People are going to get set free tonight from devils. <laughs> Somebody said, what do you mean? What do you mean? You mean they're going to make a noise and tear up the whole place? No. It's just whatever plagued them is going to leave them. Yes. And they'll run out, yeah, and I'm sure there'll be somebody in the casino that'll pick them up. <laughs> they'll, pick up they'll pick up your reject, whatever spirit that was bothering you. <laughs> Amen. And you're not going to be depressed anymore. You're not going to be confused anymore. You're not going to be discouraged. You're not going to be downhearted. You're going to have vision. You're going to be able to see what others can't see. You'll know what others don't know. You'll hear what others don't hear. Amen. And you're not done. God's not finished with you. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Oh, now in the world, it's going to be rough. For the world, hmm. if you serve the devil, it's not going to be good. It's going to be all hell breaking loose. But for the church, totally different. Because the church will go from glory unto glory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we're so glad to be here. And of course, when... Uh, Pastor Jonathan called me and said, listen, I'm going to do a night in Vegas. You want to come? I said, look, it's too far from Florida to come for a night. Let's throw a couple of days in there and just do something. So, um, so of course, uh, we, that's what we've been doing, and it's been great. This morning was awesome. Tonight going to be great. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow night going to be great. Tomorrow night, hands are going to be laid on every person, so don't miss out. Tomorrow night be a special laying on a hand service. And it doesn't matter if you're sick, bound, whatever, oppressed, tomorrow night will be the night. Don't, don't miss out. It closes tomorrow night. So I want uh, Pastor Jonathan and Adonis, Evangelist Jonathan, come stand here with me quickly, bring that microphone. And then I want my wife to come up here. In actual fact, I'd like you all just to greet the people and say something, both of you. And I'm going to have my wife greet the people too. So um, we've known them for many years. And uh, really, because I know the whole family, it's like a dynasty, the Shuttlesworth dynasty. And uh, the four brothers, I've known them. In actual fact, they call me the fifth Shuttlesworth brother. I'm probably the only person in America to get all four of them together on the same platform. That's true. 
And it's the truth. And so his mother, his grandmother, would, would, she, she had a picture, your uncle told me, of, of all five of us, and my, under my name was written the fifth Shalzberg. And he found it in her office. It was there. Your, your grandmother did that. And Uncle Ted, your Uncle Ted called me and said, just so you know, I was in my mom's office. And there's a picture of all of four of us and you. And under your name is written the fifth Shalzberg. So, so then I know all the cousins and stuff like that. And, and I saw the hand of God on him. I met you that first time in Madison Square Garden when you came. How old were you at that time? Madison Square Garden? Yeah, didn't your father bring you? I gave you a book on Jesus or something. It was in Watertown, New York. Oh, Watertown. How old were you? 19. 19 years old. And I was stunned because I was 19 working at the radio station at the church that was having him preach. And I had heard of, of Rodney Howard Brown from all my Bible college professors that hated his guts. And, uh, but I didn't like them, so anyone they didn't like, I wanted to get to know. So the enemy of your enemy is your friend. So he's, I met him in the afternoon. There were about 2,200 people there that night. And he said, come see me after I'm done preaching. I'm going to give you one of my books. Well, I thought, there's no, you know, that's like a nice thing to say. I thought, you know, he just preached to 2,200 people. I'm not going to call it, excuse me, do you remember me from this afternoon? So I just went back to the radio station and started working and making this, the playlist for the next day. And then he came at about 1.45 in the morning. And said, there you are. I've been looking all over for you. Here's the book I have for you. And he gave me his book, Seeing Jesus as He Really Is. And the whole front was made out to me. And so I took it and read it at my Bible college with another book over top of it. So that people want to know it was his book. And uh, that spoke to me back then. Because I had been around preachers my whole life. I never met, uh, I won't say any, but none that I can remember that would care about somebody that doesn't matter really. You know what I mean? It's not like I could really help him in any way in the ministry. And for him to search me out and do that, and then we came back, what, 12 years later in 2011, where I was fasting and praying for God. I felt like disconnected from what God was doing in the earth. I, was, I had a full schedule, but they were at tiny churches that just seemed like they, didn't, they were like dead branches on a tree. And I knew that God had hooked Lester Summerall up with Howard Carter, and I was praying. I said, Father, like you did for Lester Summerall when he was young, could you hook me up with somebody that will get me in the main flow of what you're doing in the earth. And he called uh, two weeks into the fast. I was playing Call of Duty, and I can't pray 14 hours, so I have to do other things. And if his voice wasn't so distinct, you know, it would be like you getting a call from Rodney Howard Brown. I, th- I said, he said, uh, hi, this is Rodney Howard Brown. I said, are you looking for one of my uncles because you got the, the nephew? You want me to give me uh, your, you my dad's number? He said, no, I actually called your uncle and got your number from him. I'd like you to come to Florida as soon as you can. I felt quickened today when I was praying to, show, to take a day or two and show you what it took me 35 years to learn in evangelism. I said, if it doesn't creep you out, I'll be there tomorrow. And so I called Adal. She was at the grocery store. I had her come back home. We booked tickets. And flew down there, and her, him and Pastor Donica laid hands on us uh, on Friday night. It was during that great awakening, and we were slain in the spirit. That was only the second time that, that had ever happened to me. And we went to our next meeting that was scheduled Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday in a tiny church in a tiny town. And when I started preaching, the pastor's wife, 
who had just told this testimony on Sunday morning about how she had had the saddest week of her life. I was preaching on the blood of Jesus. I wasn't talking about joy. I wasn't, didn't feel like I was doing anything different. And she started laughing and slid out of her seat on the floor at an Assemblies of God church and kept laughing through the whole service. And her husband said the next day that he actually got annoyed that she laughed in bed till five in the morning and finally he told her to be quiet. And then that, church, that meeting, I think we had 140 people Sunday morning. By Wednesday night, we had 360 in a church that seated 240. We hit 550 on Friday. It was only scheduled through Tuesday. He extended it a week, then a second week, then a third week, and it was a, a revival. My next meeting got extended. I had never had any meetings extended. And from the time God brought him into my life until now, it has been radically different. And the fact, I told Adalis, as, as much as we've enjoyed our relationship, or at least I, I have, I can't, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I said, if he, if he came over every few weeks and burnt my house to the ground, there's nothing he could do in the future that, that, that could ever outweigh the good that he's done from here till now, because God used him to change my life. And one more thing, since tomorrow's going to be the laying on of hands, that is not just a Christian way to close a service out. When I had hands laid on me, something changed. I, didn't, I couldn't tell anything changed. But to go 11 years and not have any meetings extended, and then I couldn't get any meetings not extended. It, I mean, to, to, to now. Basically, from then till now, it was radically different. Tomorrow night, tonight too. But Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, this isn't just a nice thing to attend. You can leave here. And, and have life be nothing like it was before you came. And I believe God's not only going to do that for you, that's what's going to happen in Las Vegas in Jesus' name. How many of you believe that with me? So thank you. And thanks, thanks for coming here with me. It means a lot. Well, thanks for inviting me. I, I wouldn't, you know, uh, of course, I'm on Christian television network, and Bob DeAndre has a station here, and Really, the last couple of years, he said, you have to go to Las Vegas. You have to go to Las Vegas. Well, I tried. So I knew that we were going to have to neutral, neutral venue. So when I knew that you got a neutral venue, I said, okay, that's the open door, you know. It is interesting that it's been easier to work with the casinos than the churches. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> and true. It's, it's not a joke. It's totally ludicrous. You know? But it's a sign yeah. of the hunger in the country. Yeah. We have a young evangelist now who, a miracle just happened a week ago, who was driving into the city of Tampa and he saw this huge circus tent up. And he's been using circus tents. And uh, he said, I just preached on where Jesus told the disciples where the cult was tied up to go in time. And I told the whole church, this week's going to be a week of loosing that cult and bringing it in. God was going to bring things that were owned by other people that would bring them into the kingdom for kingdom usage. And uh, so he called me Wednesday. He said, you won't believe what's happening. I said, what happened? He said, I went there. The guy who runs the circus, he's, he's got tents all over America. He's, he's been in America um, probably 22 years or whatever, but he comes from a circus family from a little boy, and he's developed his own. He's sell, selling the whole system to uh, one of the companies, and he's not allowed to do circuses for the next, uh, how many years, 10 years or whatever. And uh, anyway, so when he 
emailed, and the guy called him. He went over there, and the, he said, man, can I rent your tent? He said, well, what do you do? He said, I'm an evangelist. He said, now the guy's using foul language. I mean, just blinkety-blank and whatever. He said, I love evangelists. He said, in France, I help a man, and we've got a 10,000-seater tent, and I set it up for him all over France to do crusades. He said, this is what you do. And of course, then he mentioned to him about what the cost was being involved with the sound, the lights, the tents and stuff. And he said, they're ripping you off. He said, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. My tent, I'm going to put it up for you at no cost. This is a tough, he walks in out of the blue. And he said, not only that, I have all, I know where to get all the permits in every, all 50 states. He said, I'll help you set up this. You can't believe the site that he found for him in Miami. Florida, to put the tent up. I mean, he, uh, he, the evangelist called me, he said, you can't believe where we're going to be in Miami. And the guy said, I have a mailing list of millions of people from all that came to my circus. I'll advertise for you. I'm going to show you how to advertise. This is a secular guy. So anyway, he ends up leading the guy to the Lord. The guy's bawling, crying. This has just happened. And, and he says, America needs this. Let me tell you, America's, and he, and he's, he says, America, America's blinkety blank out of control, you know. So, but he knows what America needs. So this, this is the beginning of what God's going to do. I'm telling you right now, we better get ready. And, uh, it's going to be supernatural. I mean, even what the Lord's doing with, with both of you and, and just everything that's about to happen. So we ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, this is just, this is a start of something. We, we're going to come back to Vegas. And uh, so how many, how many Las, Veg- Las Vegans are here? How many? Let me, let me. Let me just have a look at you quickly. I want everybody from Las Vegas to stand quickly. Just let me look at you. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That's awesome. Come on. Give the Las Vegans a great God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight. And if you are a pastor, we're honored to have you here with us. If you are a minister, we're honored to have you here with us. So glad, glad you came. Amen. Amen. Um, Hi. No, no, greet the people. Come on. I am thrilled to be here. We love Las Vegas. How many of you guys have come expecting something from God? When I was sitting in the front, I really felt the level of expectation is, is so high. And I want you to understand everything that happens here is a spiritual transaction. You can't grab it with your head. You got to receive it in your spirit. And you might be sitting there and you're in despair and you might be hopeless. I want you to know that just being here, just you being in the presence of God at this very moment, things are changing and things are turning around for your good. Can you say amen? And it doesn't make any sense. But every time we're with Pastor Rodney and he's preaching and we sit here and and at the end of the service, you're like, what did he preach about? We're like, I don't even know. But I'm changed. And so I want you to understand that just you being here, everything is going to change. Everything is going to turn out all right. Turn to your neighbor and say, everything's going to be all right. And it starts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I want my wife, of course, now we're in the 43rd year of marriage this year. And... uh, 
really, I couldn't do anything I'm doing without her. And I wanted to greet you here tonight. Shred on. It's so great to be here with you. And uh, considering that the last time we were here preaching was like 1988, and my kids were little, and um, we were just here one night, as, he, as Pastor Rodney said, and then the next night I had been sent to Colorado. Started driving at 2 in the morning and got there at 6 in the evening through Wolf Creek Pass, four states, um, in the middle of snowstorm. And uh, you know what was so amazing, though? How the Lord goes ahead of you to prepare a way. And even things, you, if you, when you obey Him, even things you didn't know to ask for, He takes care of. And uh, I, I actually wasn't even going to share this, but I feel like I should. So we had, we, when we came, we were believing God for a vehicle. Now, we had driven all the junkers we wanted to drive. And we had also sowed some vehicles. And... And, you know, we were always, we decided when we went into the ministry that, that, you know, God was going to take care of us, that we would never ask anybody for money, not his mom, not my mom, but we were going to work the word. And if the word didn't work for anybody else, it was going to work for us. In other words, we're going to give, we're going to sow, we're going to tithe, and then the Lord's going to bless us and he's going to make a way. If he's called us, then he's going to make the way. And we knew we were called to come to America. And for, for six years, he prepared us in, in South Africa. We traveled for two years, then we had a church for two years, and then we were uh, riding toward a Bible school for two years. And that was all preparation for what the Lord did for us here because in 1987, of course, he opened the door for us to come, which was a total miracle. And we had no money and God provided like almost $14,000 for the airfare for all of us. And that Now, was- understand when we got married, when, when I met her, I was 19, she was 18. When we got married, I was 20, she was 19. So basically, we were just babies. And when we got to America, well, what was that, 25, 26? Um, 26. 26. So here we are in America, 26, three kids, nothing. I mean, we didn't know anybody. Everything's a miracle. Everything you see is a, is a miracle. It's all supernatural. Carry on. So anyway, we, we were believing the Lord for a vehicle. And anyway, the Lord took about six months of just pressing in and trusting the Lord and, and uh you know, we were praying. We said, Lord, we know that you put in our heart for, to believe you for a new vehicle. And we had people, wealthy people, tell us, well, you can't have a new, new vehicle. You're missionaries. Isn't that a pathetic attitude? And that's what's happened a lot in America. I mean, we, Pastor Rodney, he grew up with a, a family of Canadian missionaries. And people would send them used everything. All they, like, it's like they trash they would send for Africa. And that's what they thought of missions. Well, you know, that mentality has to change because God is worthy of our best. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, so we, we prayed about it. We asked the Lord and he said, I want you to have a new vehicle because we didn't want to break down. Do you know how, do you know how big America is? It's huge. When you drive it, you find out, right? And so we were believing God for a new vehicle. Well, God supernaturally opened the door through, you know, a, a gentleman who was like, you know, barely saved, but just a sweet guy and, uh, you know, just went to church. But, uh, and he opened, he made a way for us to get this vehicle. Anyways, and it was an Astro van. We didn't put in specifications, just a new van. That was it. And you know what? That thing had all-wheel drive. And you do not appreciate all-wheel drive until you drive on ice and snow. <laughs> Amen. We've driven in Alaska on a two-wheel drive. It didn't work. You can't go up in any hills. You can get to nothing. You slip and slide all over. And so just something small like that, that the Lord knew we would need all-wheel drive. And so when we drove from here 
to center Colorado from two o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night. And we didn't stop. He drove, I drove. We just, you know, stopped to go to the bathroom and grab gas. And we went, Wolf Creek Pass, they had a huge storm. And the people were pulled over on the side of the road. They were stuck. They were trying to put, you know, snow tires on. And here we were just barreling through in these, like, these cliffs going down. We didn't know that. We, we, we didn't know that. The pastor said when we arrived, man, we were praying for you. You came through Wolf Creek. They I said, closed what's the, it right after we got there. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, there's 3,000-foot cliffs. <laughs> I said, I couldn't understand why everybody's going slowly. I'm just... <laughs> zoo, zoo, zoo. The, the ice, the ice was forming on the wind, windshield, so we had to put the the defroster on like high, high, high. So we were like taking all our clothes off in the car because we, we were sweating, but we, we had to keep the heat on the... On the uh, not all our clothes, but all that, you know, sweaters no. and things, down to T-shirts. Um, we had to keep the heat on there to, like, you know, stop the ice up. And we come from Africa. We drive on mud and dirt. We don't drive on ice. <laughs> but, you know, God will go before you, and He will make a way. And if He's put something in your heart, amen. And if He has a call on your life, then it's going to come to pass. But one of the things you have to do is you have to die to your own ambition, you have to die to what people think of you. You, have to, you have, to, have to die to other people's opinions, and you have to come alive to only what God says and only what the Lord wants. And, you know, when we came to America, it was so dead and dry, and we began to pray. We said, Lord, you have to touch these churches. They're so apathetic. They're so dry. There'd been several scandals, and you know, people would, you know, get excited in the meeting, but then they would leave the same way they came. And we said, Lord, this is not acceptable. You know how sometimes God will put a dissatisfaction in your heart to, that causes you to press in for more. And so we prayed, Lord, please show up. Please come touch these people. We don't care if they, if they don't remember our name, but as long as they know when they left the service that they had a touch from you. Amen. And one of the things I want to encourage you with, how many of you are in the ministry right now? How many of you wow. feel a call to ministry? You're going to need two things. You're going to need the Word, and you're going to need the Holy Spirit. Because the Word of God is the train track that you run your life on, and the Holy Spirit is the steam in the engine. And you can't downplay one or the other. You, they have to both be exalted in your life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father... Jesus, who is the Word made flesh, amen, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit that empowered the church, the Holy Spirit that, that endows us with those supernatural gifts, that endows us with the, with the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot live your life without those things. Let me tell you something. When the joy broke out in our meetings, because uh, we were praying and pressing in the, I mean, we, we, had to, we didn't know that was going to happen. We just prayed for the Lord to show up. And he did, but as many people were weeping and shaking and getting stuck on the floor, is getting filled with the joy, but people made a big deal about the joy and got offended about the joy. You know what? Well, God wouldn't do that. Well, how do we know what God wouldn't do? God can do whatever he wants to do. I'm pretty sure nobody ever thought of the day of Pentecost and a mighty rushing wind and people speaking in other tongues. They thought they were drunk and they mocked them, right? And so the Holy Ghost never left the earth. He's been here since the day of Pentecost. Amen. And each and every one of us, we need to be born again. We need to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we need to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. And so initially we thought, well, all the joy and stuff will make people nervous and maybe run out the door. The unsaved people, guess what they did? They came running to the altar. 
And I remember that's what happened to me because I got saved at the age of 17. Rodney grew up in church and it was the presence of God. My 17-year-old head didn't want to stand up and embarrass myself and walk up in front of everybody to receive Jesus at the front. But it's like the Holy Ghost put a rope around my heart and, and pulled. And what does the Bible say? If we lift Jesus up, the Holy Ghost will draw people. Amen. And so we need to contend for the Holy Spirit. We need to not be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We need to always exalt Him. We need to follow Him. If, every, if everybody else turns away from you, hey, if they turned away from Jesus, then who are we to think that we're going to get a free run up the side? Jesus said that He'd bless us. He said He'd give us a hundredfold in this life and persecutions. So we just have to laugh at the persecution and keep on going because, you know what, all the devil can do is jump up and down and scream and, you know, and fuss, but we keep going. We don't let him stop us. Amen. We keep going. And so we need the Holy Spirit in Africa. We need the Holy Spirit in India. We need the Holy Spirit in South America. We need the Holy Spirit in Las Vegas. Amen. Because... We need the Word and the Holy Spirit because that is what's going to bring the breakthrough. Amen. Amen. But that takes us laying down everything we think and saying, Lord, what do you want? And just following Him every day, being obedient to Him. Hallelujah. Lifting up the... Do not be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of pressure from the religious quarter. Just really stupid people. Some of them are paid by... The Chinese Communist Party. To, no. Yeah, to actually It's true. They use they use the church to come against the church. And so we cannot allow that. We have to stand together. Listen, God God and God doesn't expect you to be a clone of someone else. You have a particular flavor. Amen. And the Holy Ghost wants to anoint your flavor. Because he's called each and every one of us to do a specific task in this world. And so we need to find out what that is. Hallelujah. And so that's, that's always been our heart with everything that we do is to see the Lord touch people, to see them get all the, all the junk that the devil's put on them, the, the world's put on them through that are burned off of them. So we have to invite the fire of God to come in and we have to ask God, burn all that stuff off. Lord, if there's anything in me that doesn't please you, Lord, burn it out of me. Purify my heart. Hallelujah. So there can be no compromise. Purify my heart, Lord, and let me be more like Jesus. And then contend for the supernatural. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep winning souls. And we're going to see. We've seen in Tampa. We've been, we've been hammering at it. We've been hammering it. And listen, it has changed. They, the FBI, they came out with stats. They, they said they couldn't understand. We see all the time these news articles. The FBI, they cannot, and the police force, they cannot understand why Tampa has such a low crime rate, considering it's the third biggest metropolis in Florida but it's got one of the lowest crime rates. Why? Because we are on the streets, our people are on the streets, we bust the inner city people into our church and we just keep hammering it and we just keep preaching and keep getting the people schools, saved, keep getting the universities, win places of government, win military installations, we in and retirement homes, assisted living homes. We basically, wherever people are, we're there. And what's so cool about the schools is it's a lot of times it's quite difficult to get in the schools. They, they, they try and block you. And so you have, to, you have to really believe for favor and you've got to just keep on. And, but then we would go to like 
after school, you have all the sports teams ask the coaches, can we pray for the kids? Sure, and get, get all the sports teams saved. And then those kids get on fire and then they invite you in. And now we have so much favor. We have out of how many schools, I mean, what percentage of schools are we in, Pastor Allen, in, in Hillsborough? Well, we're in all schools. We're in all the schools. Now. Come up quickly. And you know what's so cool is you have this... this, this My huge, wife's just greeting the people, but this greeting. is important. There's this yeah. huge... Um, organization that, that links all of the, the born again, all of the, all of the sports kids, all the kids that are involved in sports that identifies as believers. They, they, they count them, right? And they came to us a couple of years ago and told us that we're getting more people saved in our county of Hillsborough than the entire, than anybody else is in the, in every district in America. And so, um, you know, our young people go in. And so we, our, our mission is to empower God's people to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Allen is our youth pastor and has been that way for 20 years. And uh, tell them what's happening with, with the young people and with the schools and the yes, universities. With that part. Yeah, so it, it is pretty unbelievable what Pastor Donica is saying is true. If I, and I don't, not to take the time of it, but if I think back to 2011, when we went live on CTN, you mentioned that, and that's where really you, that's when the Lord spoke to you, that two ministries would start to work together in these days where you couldn't tell the difference where one began and one ended. And we really took that as a way to start hitting our campuses really hard. And so we believed, that the Lord spoke to me about Joshua chapter 1, every place, the soul of your feet shall tread, that I've given it unto you. Well, we have... We have, at that time, we were around 25 high schools in, uh, in, in Hillsborough County. Right now, we're just over 31 high schools. We are the second largest school district in the state of Florida. We're the sixth largest in the nation. And uh, just high schools alone, you know, 200,000 some odd students. And, and so it's pretty, it was pretty unbelievable. So but we knew that we needed to put our feet on campus. How many know that it's one thing to believe God for a harvest. It's another thing to go get the harvest. And so we, we said, you know, I empowered my teenagers, brought them together. And I said, listen, the Lord has called you to be a missionary to your campus. And uh, we're going to believe the Lord. We're going to equip you, show you how to do it. And anyway, by God's grace from that day to this day, uh, that was 2011, first week, 2011 to now 2024, just over 100,000 decisions for Jesus face to face. Uh, teenagers across the, the county and uh, and, the, and our uh, our college campuses as well. But uh, what we've seen in the last two to three years has been unbelievable, really. When when for truthfully, what the enemy meant for evil, God has turned it around for our good. And and, and you know, Joshua told his brothers, what you intended for evil, God has turned around that many lives would be saved. And so from that day to this day, uh, just to give you in perspective of what's happening, the harvest truly is plentiful and God has given us laborers. We have got young people and teenagers, young adults that we're training, showing them how to do it. Our teenagers are taking their high schools, taking it for, taking it seriously. And uh, last year, all, all together last year, 13,000 decisions just last school year. This school year just is the halfway point, and we're already over 13,000 decisions just this school year. And so, of the 30 high schools that we have, we are on all 30 of our campuses. We have now, however, established 
17 of those high schools where every single week upwards of 500 students are, are, are meeting and that number is growing every single week. We're believing God will see 1,000 to 2,000 kids a week that are meeting in school clubs across. And I'm talking like teenagers leading other teenagers where every week we'll have weeks where over 1,000 teenagers a week will be giving their heart to Jesus. And so now we've got high school principals that are calling us. And, and I mean this, and I'm not, this is not exaggerating at all. On a daily basis, we're being called. Will you please come and start this in our school? I'll give you a, whatever classroom you want. I'll give you whatever gymnasium that you want. And so what they're doing is is now the schools are writing our clubs into their school's constitution, which means that means that this will go on as long as that constitution stands on that campus, which that's something new that just started happening. Now they're writing our clubs into the constitution. So it's pretty amazing what's happening. We're really, we're believing God this just the beginning. All 30 of our high schools will be established by the end of this school year, I believe. And now it's actually reaching now into other counties. We just had Pinellas County, two high schools in Pinellas County. Just We just established this last week. Now we have Lakeland. We have Sarasota counties as well. And, of course, the counties just north of us. So it really is happening. So it is, it's unbelievable. Really, the harvest is so plentiful. It's just the laborers we need now. So, Amen. Well, just say something else just to say hi. Just say hi. Say hi. <laughs> You know, ne never look at a situation as, as impossible. Because it's, it's not your job to do the work of the Holy Spirit. It's just your job to do what he, he tells you to. To preach the gospel, to lift Jesus up. And, you know, again, our whole ministry is not just about empowering teenagers, but empowering even many of the retirees that um, have time on their hand and we've had many come, like in their 80s and their 90s, and saying, you know, I, I've only led, or I haven't led anybody, the Lord, I've only led a couple of people, and I want to learn how to do it. And in their last few years, they led thousands of people to the Lord. So they have all this fruit waiting for them uh, on the other side. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we, listen, we have, for, for the kids, we have a big fire week that's phenomenal. I mean, we had how many... 8,000 8, on, on, on property. It's just exploded this last year. And it, the kids' fire weeks are awesome. They're from the kids all the way, all the ages, all the way up. So send your kids. Get a busload and send them over to Tampa. And, um, you well, know... busloads are a long way from here. Put them on a plane. Put them on a plane. Yes. You're on a bus. Oh, yeah, sure. We'll bus in from Vegas. <laughs> You know, I want to tell you, like I, I said, we, we cannot be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Rodney was talking about the joy and people get offended at the joy. But I tell you what, we're very serious about this joy. Amen. And because we need, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. Amen. And that's basically Feast of Tabernacles where they were talking about, they were celebrating Feast of Tabernacles, and everybody started, this was near Nehemiah, they started crying. And um, the beginning of Feast of Tabernacles was, you know, mentioned in Deuteronomy, 
16, and it talks about you will rejoice and you will be joyful. God doesn't say things for nothing. He's, he, it's for a purpose. Amen. And so in Nehemiah's day, they were basically, they'd been backslidden, majorly backslidden, taken into captivity. They came back to rebuild Jerusalem, a group of them. They began to, again, celebrate the feasts. And the priests got up. They began to read the word to them. And everyone began to wail and cry. Why? Because they were repenting. The way that you come into revival is through humility and repentance. The way you stay in revival is humility and repentance. Amen. That doesn't mean you're repenting every day of everything, but when it's appropriate, yes. Amen. What I'm talking about is having that heart that Jesus said of a little child. He said, everybody who comes to me must come as a little child. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, come as a, what is that? Humble. Amen. Teachable. And so we need to retain that spirit our whole life, that we are personally submitted to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That we are personally submitted to the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Because it doesn't matter how God elevates you and uses you and the influence that you have, if you don't protect your own heart and stay right with God, you could win the whole whole earth and lose Win the whole world and lose your soul. Amen. And so we need to make our own heart a priority. Our own children, our own family. We can't overlook our family while we save the world. Your family is your first mission field. You can't neglect your marriage for the ministry. You can't neglect your children for ministry. They have to be a priority while you get the job done. And it's not impossible. And that's why we chose to take all three kids on the road with us everywhere that we went. We did not split the family up. We homeschooled the kids. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and home was whatever hotel room we were in. But, <laughs> and you know what? And they're fine. They're all fine. One's in heaven and the other two, one, our son works for us and our daughter and her husband have a church. So they, they made it through. But thank God for the presence of God, the revival, the, the Holy Spirit. And so we have to have that humble, teachable heart before the Lord always. And so, you know, when, when the revival broke out, like I said, you know, I got saved in a Holy Ghost church um, on fire. Thank God they were not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the fruit of the, I mean, you just saw the, the gifts of the Spirit operating. People were saved. Hundreds of people every Sunday. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. Devils came out of people because they can't stay when the presence of God is there. Um, I mean, it was a revival in South Africa. And so for me, that's where I start. I mean, I was in denominational church and there was nothing there. Was nothing there. But the Holy Ghost and fire, and it doesn't matter what the name is over the church. It's not about a denomination, but it's about people that love Jesus and are on fire for Him. Amen. And coming together and doing His work. And so, like I said, when we began to press in and say, Lord, please touch America. Please touch people. Please let, them have an, please let them experience your presence. And God was so gracious. And we began to feel like, you know, an excitement on the inside. Something's going to happen. So we began to pray, Lord, touch us. And because we don't want to stand in your way. You know, a lot of people, even in the beginning, they, they, they knew, they saw the, because there was an explosion at one point in the ministry and there was a lot of crowds and money. And a lot of people wanted us to come because they saw the crowds and the money. 
But it was not about crowds and money. It's about people being impacted, about people being delivered, about people being set free, people on fire for God, the fire of God coming and burning through, through people and getting, setting them completely on fire and, and, and branding Jesus in their heart and them getting up and, and fulfilling the call and the plan that God has for their life. That's the whole purpose, for you to be empowered. And so when that fire of God fell on that Sunday, and Pastor Rodney had had an experience with the fire of God when he was, you know, a year before he went into the ministry, and he, was, he said, Lord, I know I'm called to ministry, but I need the anointing. And so he cried out for the fire of God, and he, got, he, he was on fire. It's like somebody poured gas on him and lit, lit him on fire. And he was with a whole group of kids at this massive youth camp. They weren't even saved. They were denominational Christians. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You go to church, um, you know, you think you're Christian because you go to church, but you're not born again. And there was a whole group of girls from a, from a high school in Grahamstown, South Africa, that, that got saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost at the same time, and went back to their school and started a revival that ran for the next number of years. And we only heard the testimony seven years later when we bumped into one of the young ladies. And she was like, that was you, that was you. Listen, when one person gets hungry and presses into God and says, Lord, touch me, many people's lives are impacted. Amen. And when the fire of God fell, In our services in 1989, upstate New York, people were shaking, crying. We stuck on the floor laughing, speaking in tongues, couldn't even speak in English. And uh, it was a sign and a wonder. And, you know, it was that one service, then it happened that night, then it happened the next morning. The whole week, people were just getting hit by the fire. There was an old guy. He he laughed the whole time. I thought he was like a, just had a, you know, a very happy guy. Found out 12 years later, his testimony, he was so grumpy. He and his wife had been married about 30 years, and she told him, you're you're such a grumpy old man. I'm so tired of you. If you don't cheer up, I'm leaving you. (laughs) Well, God touched him just in time, because he was, he (laughs) totally saved their marriage. How many of you know God's in the saving marriage business? Amen. If the wife will press in and get touched and the husband will, it'll save marriages. Teenagers will be turned around and on fire from going the wrong way, turned around, arrested by the Holy Spirit. Like I was arrested when I turned 17 and, uh, and my whole life turned around. I, I went from wanting to do my own thing to completely just being sold out for the Lord. And anyways, so people got hit with the fire of God. And we went to the next place because we thought, oh, it's just a great week of meetings. They, they went to the next place, New England, and the fire of God fell there. The same thing happened. And we were just preaching about the Holy Spirit, that He's real, that He's a person. He's not an it, it's a He. Yes. Amen. And we need to experience Him. And uh, we didn't tell them about the last place. We weren't talking about people laughing. We didn't do it. And He's funny, but... <laughs> It, just, it poured out in that, university students, all kind of people. And you know, I have to tell you something. I was always, when, when God would touch me, I would just weep. And I had many wonderful experiences with the Lord where he just wrapped his arms around me. And I felt the love of Jesus was so unconditional love. And, but it was like he was cleaning me out. You know what I mean? Because when God's light shines in, what happens? You see, like, what happens if you have a, yeah, you can have a dark house with rats and cockroaches. And you don't even know that they're there. Until you turn the lights on, they all go running. Amen. And a lot of times there's stuff that sits there, but the fire of God will find it and burn it out. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the, the fire of God will burn off any dead branches. If there's any dead, unproductive things in your life, 
the fire of God will burn that off as well. And so, um, when, <laughs> so, you know, I would just weep when the Lord touched me. So when I saw the people laughing, I thought, oh, they're just extroverted people. They're not, I'm introverted. I cry. They must be extroverted. That's why they love. I know God is touching them. The power of God is so strong, but it must just be a personality thing. Well, it didn't take very long. It just took a few weeks. And I began to see people getting hit with the joy, with the dignified ones, the business people, the shy people, the introverted people, the people that, because I didn't even want to get up and speak. He would ask me to get up and, and greet people. And I'd be like, <laughs> so my testimony of what God did in me is that I can get up and even speak to you today. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, so I, I, I realized, oh, this is a God thing and I need it. But I'm like, Lord, I, I'm not laughing because everyone else is laughing. It has to be real. It has to be real. And I looked at the people sometimes rolling on the floor laughing. I thought, oh, if that happened to me, I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> and anyway, so for six months, I just pressed into the Holy Spirit and said, Lord, touch me. Every service, I was like, Lord, touch me. Come and touch me with your fire. And I, I knew that it's not, I wasn't just looking to laugh. I was looking for the Lord to do something in my heart because I knew that I needed more of him. I'm the preacher's wife, but I needed more of him. I needed to go up to the next level with him. I needed some stuff to be broken off of my life. Amen. Because listen, when we see him, we'll be like him. But until then, we are a work in progress. Amen. And so we need to never stop growing and changing. We need to continue to allow the Lord to do a work in our life. And so um, I began to pray, saying, Lord, touch me. And the fire of God touched me. One time I was stuck on the floor two and a half hours. I literally thought it was only half an hour. And um, we were sitting, we were in Pennsylvania. I was minding my own business on a Tuesday night. People were getting blessed and touched all over the place. And, the, and I felt, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus said on the final most important day of the feast, which is the day, you know, Feast of Tabernacles. What did he say? He said, everyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And the Bible says that in God's presence is fullness of joy at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. And draw forth from the wells of salvation with joy. But then Jesus talked about a river of living water coming out of your belly. And that's the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so he doesn't want you just to go to the well where you got to, you know, have, I'm sure very few of you, if any, have ever had to use a well. But a well, you have to take a bucket by bucket. But a river just just flows out of you, right? And so uh, I'm sitting there and I feel this bubbling in my belly and springing up, springing up. And then, of course, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached his first major sermon, he quoted that in God's presence, his fullness of joy. But he said, he, he related it not just to in God's presence, but in me. It became personal. God's presence in me, full of joy. The Bible says that the, the, um, the disciples were full of the joy and the Holy Ghost. When Philip preached in Samaria, they were full of joy. Hallelujah. Everywhere they went, in the middle of persecution, they were full of joy. Joy was a hallmark of the church through everything they went through. And so here I'm pressing in and I'm sitting there and I feel this bubbling in my belly. And it bubbled and bubbled and came here. 
and it stopped because my brain started getting connected and trying to analyze it and figure it out. And you know what? You know what? I heard a voice on the inside of me, but wait, the Holy Spirit, he can, I, I felt like that. <laughs> Anyways, sometimes you feel like the dog with the choker chain. <laughs> For the... <laughs> But we have to give God permission to knock in on our life, right, and straighten us out. But anyways, so he said to me in this very firm voice, he said, stop thinking about it, just let me do it. And it was like a yes sir moment. And I was very terrified of what was going to happen because I had always stuffed everything down, all my feelings, all everything to stay in control. And I was very scared that if we took the lid off that jar I'd, and that stuff came out, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know how messy it was going to be and I didn't know how I was going to push it back in again. Because, you know, we want the Lord to touch us, but we're like trying to hold on to it and control it. And a lot of pastors are like that. See you, and they don't want revival because they can't put it in their denominational box. They can't control it. They, don't, they, they can't make it start and make it stop. You cannot. You have to let, just invite the Holy Spirit and then let Him do whatever He wants to do. And you can't worry about the people that get mad and run out because it's not going to be the unsaved people. It might be some of the religious people that don't want God to deal with this stuff. Amen. And so, so I, it, it began to bubble and it came out of my mouth. I was laughing so loud. I ended up on my hands and my knees. I've got tears rolling down my nose and dripping off. And I, the, you know, the ladies with the cover cloths at the back, even though I had a longish dress and then tissues up the front, so undignified, right? And you know what? I didn't care because Jesus and I were having such a lovely time. <laughs> and you know, all those times that I felt the Lord put his arms around me and like, it was like he was cleaning me out. And this time it felt like he was pouring back in. And you know, it's the oil of joy, the oil of gladness for that spirit of heaviness. And you know, we go through so many things. We carry so many things. And I can tell you right now, we went through having to say goodbye to our 18-year-old daughter that we were holding in our arms. It's one of the hardest things that you can go through in your life. But I thank God for what he had done in my life. I thank God for his touch. I thank God for the joy of the Lord that is your strength, that sustains you. Amen. Amen. And yes, you, you grieve, you miss them you, because you're attached to them. But at the same time, there's a peace, there's a grace on you to carry you through. And so instead of letting it, the things that come against your life, to destroy you, like when she was first born and they told us she had cystic fibrosis and she would only live till the age of four. And, and we made a decision that we don't care what the devil says. We don't care what's going on in our life. We're gonna contend for our daughter's healing, but in the meantime, guess what? We're not gonna back off healing. We're not gonna back off the Holy Ghost. We're not gonna back off the Word just because we're going through a challenge. We're gonna preach it harder. We're gonna pray for all the all the... You know, difficult cases. We're going to pray for all the incurable people. We're going to put devil. You want to touch my family? You want to touch? I'm going to push back on you. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. When Kelly was little, she said, I just want to, I just want to stomp on the devil and I want to hurt him, kick him. And I, 
And so I said to her, baby, we can, you know how you hurt the devil? You get people saved. You get people healed. You get people delivered. Hallelujah. You get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's how you fight the devil. That's how you beat the devil. Hallelujah. That's how you get him back. And so we, we're making the devil pay. And so whatever you've been through in your life, whatever he's tried to steal from you, whatever he's stolen from you, amen, God will restore, but you make him pay. You don't, you don't wallow. You don't cry. You don't sit there miserable. You don't get angry at God. That's not good. God's not your problem. God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. God is not the author of the the bad stuff that happens in this world. The devil is completely responsible for that. So place the blame where it's due and lift up Jesus and understand that in the middle of your problem, if you were a stupid, stupid person and you did stupid, stupid stuff, which we can all, amen, I'm sure if you've ever done anything stupid, you had, or if something happened to you that was out of your control, In the middle of it all, God is your way out. He is the way out. He is the way out. And He will make a way for you. Amen. And so the presence of God, the power of God, the joy of the Holy Spirit, it is here to empower us, to help us, to carry us, to to fill us full, no matter what we're going through. Just like that early church, the horrendous persecutions they went through, yet they were full of joy and the Holy Ghost. And the Lord wants to fill you with joy and peace in believing. And He wants to empower you to fulfill. And so it's not over. If the devil told you you're finished, it's over. You've gone, you went too far. You messed up too badly. You lost out on too much. He's a liar. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we're going to believe that something today, tomorrow, that things will be resurrected and God even will pour in fresh new life into you. Amen. Hallelujah. And that he's going to raise you up and use you in your city here. Las Vegas needs you. Nevada needs you, needs each and every one of you. And one person can make a difference. Amen. So the Lord touched you in that way, and then what happened just a few months later? Well, so um, <laughs> that 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 when I was um, yeah, um, it it didn't. Um, <laughs> It didn't, um, <laughs> for, 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 for about, um, uh, uh, it was, uh, well, <laughs> it, it didn't, didn't, um, we, we were, uh, well, <laughs> It was about, yeah. It it wasn't that it, I, um, I, I, <laughs> so, anyways, um, <laughs> I, 
almost like um, for for uh, yeah. And then um, <laughs> it 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 uh, we it was a, it was a, a, about um, and and I well anyway we 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 went to this and this uh, place, church, and uh, he, uh, he, he wanted me to, uh, Like, like, um, yeah. So, I, I, I uh, and my, my, but my. Like a, um, and when when I was and and it was you know it was like 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 it was um, every time the Lord would touch her, it's like God would do a little bit more, a little bit more. <laughs> She's like a, a glass being filled up, and then. Uh, when, when we were, um, and, and that other, and then we, and then he, um, and then I, <laughs> it was, uh, it was like, like the, the, the thing, you know, like, you know, and the glass uh, got filled to, you know, like a meniscus on the top. And, and that when, when you, when you, <laughs> and, the yeah, Lord touch her, and it was like, like, like the, a little drop. <laughs> And then it just flows over. <laughs> and, and, and because he fills you up to pour you out. You can't give what you don't have. And then, then I could, and then after, and then I, it's, you know. <laughs> And, and it's like when you, when you, 
And then it's like the... the <laughs> Which Ephesians 5 says, uh, be not drunk with wine, mirrors excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And that's a decision that you have to make every day. And that's what happens. I mean, I asked her just to get up and say hello. And can, can you imagine what would have happened if I said preach tonight? <laughs> But I noticed something. The moment the power gone started falling, people started getting up and going to the toilet and whatever. This is not some Las Vegas show here. And people are so detached from the move of the Spirit of God, they wouldn't know when the Holy Ghost is moving. They just think, well, people are laughing, and it's just, this is some fun thing. Let's go out and grab some coffee and do whatever. Well, why did you just go out and play the slots then? Well, shoot crap. That's why, that's all you have is crap. But if you press into what God has, then you'll get what heaven has. Amen. And, and that's why we said we're, we are serious about this joy. Because we've seen people born again. We've seen devils come out of people when they get hit by that fire of God. We, we have seen people get delivered of all kinds of stuff from being molested, raped. We've had, we've had women being delivered from, from you know, previous abortions that they, were, they had so much guilt over they couldn't have a relationship with the Lord. And the Lord completely delivered them on the floor. So this is not a game. We don't think it's, it's, yes, it's funny, but we don't think it's funny in the sense of funny, ridiculous, or, 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 it's or not it's an not amu- a mockery. It's, no, it's not an amusement of the mind either. It's an overflowing of the heart. No. And, and the Lord wants to burn all the junk out of you again. And there might be things that you're carrying around with you that you've, that have happened in the past. There's things that we've been through that things we don't even remember. And we're dealing with things that we don't even know where it came in or what it is. Listen, the Lord completely delivered me from like a spirit of oppression and depression. I saw it on my, my father and his mother. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be a grumpy old lady. So you got to do something. I mean, I need you. I don't even want to know what time of the month it is. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to be up and down, up and down. I said, Lord, you have. And God delivered me one day in my house. And I cried. It was like I cried from the bottom of my belly. I know what to say. And it was like, but I made a decision. I said, Lord, you, I, I'm not holding anything back from you. You can come in and, and clean out anything in me. Just do major spring cleaning. Some of us need a major spring cleaning. We're holding on to things. We're holding on to abuse. We're holding on to hurt. We, and we, we like lock that thing away and we try not to think about it. It's like your house, you know, you, you have 
parts of your house that are really clean and you invite people in and then you have the parts where you just shove everything and you don't you want to take people on a tour of that closet or your kid's room or anything. But when Jesus comes to your house, he comes straight to your mess to come and deliver you. We've seen people being delivered off of pornography, delivered off of oppression, delivered off of like one, one girl we had, she was raped for a full year. She was a virgin in the military, raped by a senior officer. She was so screwed up. She was an alcoholic. She was a mess. She was in the Navy for seven years, mess. And God completely delivered her, completely delivered her on the floor, under the fire of God. And for months after that, she would tell me, did I tell you how free I feel? I feel so free. I feel so free. Listen, God wants to set Las Vegas free. He wants to set you free. Hallelujah. Because how can you change your city until, unless something is in you? Because God can only do, work, do a work through you to the extent you've allowed Him to do a work in you. So this is what this is about. So you know what? If every religious devil manifests and gets mad and runs out the room, that's fine. But the hungry people are going to get something because, amen, we don't, ha- we don't, I don't know when next we're going to be here. I don't know when next Jonathan's going to come through, but tonight is your night, amen, for a breakthrough if you get hungry for God, amen, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, the ministry the Lord's entrusted to us is twofold. Number one, to go to the church and stir up revival, bring people back to their first love and set them on fire. And then number two, to go to a lost and dying world, bring in the harvest of souls. And we do that several ways by all the outreaches and the mass crusades and stuff like that. But by mobilizing every single person to win souls. Because the only thing you could take with you when you leave the earth is people. Whatever you have bought or invested in is going to stay behind. If you don't believe that, go and see all the estate sales from people that are deceased and you'll realize that their whole collections are up for sales for penny on the dollar because what they thought was valuable really was junk. And the only thing that really is valuable is, is your heart. That's why Jesus came and paid the price and died on the cross. And that's got to be the core message. So our ministry is twofold. Number one, go to the church and then put the fire of God in them and then mobilize them and turn them loose to bring in the harvest of souls. And then to go and get the lost. To go actually win the lost. Bring them in. And we catch fish many ways, which I won't get into everything yet tonight. I want to read a passage of scripture to you from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And then I'm going to just take a few minutes to give you an opportunity to sow seed tonight. And then I'll get into what we're going to do. And... um, What's the limit on this building? Do you know what time we have to be out? 6 a.m. 6 a.m., okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. First Chronicles 29 and verse 1. 
I want you to listen very carefully because this is so powerful here tonight. And King David said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young, tender, and inexperienced, for the work is great, for the palace is not to be for man but for the Lord. So watch this now. This is the king being told that he's not allowed to build the house. But he determines at that point, if I can't build it because I have blood on my hands, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for the house. So he said, I provided with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, as well as onyx or beryl stones, stones to be set, stones of antimony, stones of various colors, all sorts of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Now watch this. He says, moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, in addition to all that I prepared for his holy house, I have a private treasure of gold and silver which I give for the house of God. So here he is as a king giving from his kingdom for the building of the house to pay for it. And then he says, not only will I do that, but I have a personal private treasure and I'm giving that as well. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the house. Now, when I worked this out, according to the price of gold at the time, it might fluctuate now, but it was about $3.8 billion worth of gold, and the, and, and the silver was over $300 million. So you're looking at a $4 billion plus gift, which that's not shabby coming from your personal private treasure. Back then, you can imagine what that would be worth today. And these said gold for the uses of gold, silver, things of silver. Well, anyway, that stimulated in the people a desire to give. So they matched the king. And everything was there for the building of the house. And David even prayed, who am I, what are my people that we should offer so freely and give to you? Because really, of your own hand, we have given to you. Reminds me when we were kids growing up, every Christmas, we had to buy gifts for our parents. They'd give us the money, and we'd go buy them a gift, and they'd open it up, and they'd go, wow, look what you bought me. Basically, they bought it through us. Everything we have on this earth doesn't belong to us. When you came into the world, you were not born with a briefcase carrying dollars. You came into the world carrying nothing. Are you with me? So everything we have comes from God. There's nothing we have here that's our own. Well, look what I've owned. Look what I've amassed. I own this. I own that. I have this investment. That It's all really the Lord's hand on you. Somebody said, well, I don't understand how come people in the world, there's some people that are blessed because the reign of God falls on the just and the unjust alike. God blesses people. There's people in the world, they don't even know that they've been blessed. And only in eternity will they find out they actually were blessed by God, but never served him. And they ended up losing their whole eternal life. They, 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 they're lost, went to hell. So... It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't buy salvation. You have to humble yourself. You have to repent. You have to come to God, say, I'm a sinner, and I repent of my sin, and then I'm coming to the cross. I'm coming to the blood. Please forgive me. And then he will. So here's David 
giving. And the Bible says the people rejoiced greatly. David rejoiced. It is an amazing thing to watch. Now, I want you to think about something. We in a city right now where there are names on big places that have been funded by billionaires. Because a billionaire never pays for something without putting his name on it. Isn't that right? So you would have expected that at the building of this tabernacle, that it would be David's tabernacle. But it wasn't. In actual fact, he didn't get a mention. It was Solomon's temple. And you think about Solomon's temple, and he was anointed by God with, he had riches where the silver was outside the city as a dump, as a dump. Can you imagine where the city is so blessed that silver, you have silver dumps. And when the queen of Sheba came, she fell out. She was was overcome. She's never seen anything like it in all of her life because of the blessing of heaven that was on the reign of Solomon. But yet that temple was totally destroyed. Remember all the foundations had gold in it. Every stone had gold encased. So every pillaging, marauding army knew if we're going to get, if you want wealth, take that temple. And so they pillaged and took it down to the ground. There's not even a trace of it left. Nothing. It, it, it's totally gone. But I want to tell you this tonight. When we get into the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, there's a temple there, and it's named after David. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And David knew, man, I, I messed up, but I tell you what, I can't. I can't build this, but I'm going to pay for it. And forever and forever, David's temple will be there, representing exactly what I'm talking to you about right now. And in just a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow seed and be a part. This is offering a shared between both ministries. And I know it's an unusual kind of a meeting. People don't normally do these kind of things, especially in the times that we're living. Everybody is to each his own, you know. Everybody wants their own. But whatever you sow is never lost. There's people here just within a hundred meters of where we are right now, and they are putting money into a God that has one arm. And they stick their money in and they pull his arm down in worship, hoping that he's going to spit something at them. These people don't even go to the restroom. No, 
there's pools of water below them. They won't, they won't leave because they don't want to leave and somebody hit the jackpot based on what they've been working for hours. And there's many of those people that don't believe the church should have anything. They believe the church should be poor, but they're out there trying to get some money. There's even people tonight that will get mad because I've been talking about money and go right out and hit a jackpot, or try to hit a jackpot. I tell you what, that guy preacher, I don't believe none of it. And they are, they're putting coins in, in a God that has eyes that cannot see, that has ears that cannot hear, that has a mouth that cannot speak. And they're waiting for three or four bananas to hit in a row or whatever. Now, let me just say this to you. Why am I sharing this with you tonight? Because your money, you can't take it with you. And I know that there's such an attack against the body of Christ, what you don't understand, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and his cohorts reached out to many in the church in America. Heads of denominations flew all the way to Davos, and they sat him down and said, these are the things we want you to attack. There were three things that were prominent on their agenda, and the heads of denominations in America that actually agreed to do this, they paid for, everything's paid for by the Communist Party, because they have to destroy the church, because the, cho- the church is that which is stopping the Antichrist and stopping the agenda of the globalists from doing what they want to do. That's why you got these little skinny jeans, soy latte drinking pastors with, with a handbag bigger than their wife and breasts that are bigger than their wife because they, all the soy that they ingest, which is an estrogen mimicker. And they sit on a bar stool and preach for 22 minutes. Nonsense. It has no power. And when a pandemic comes, they lock the church up. And when they open the churches so people can come and get vaccinated. And this is acceptable. So they said the three things will attack. Tongues. If you speak in tongues, you're cult, because they don't want you praying with power. They can't stop it. They don't understand what you're praying. They, will, they say we'll attack healing and miracles. If you flow in that, you're a cult, because they don't want people healed. Because if you're healed, you won't come take their shots. You won't take their medicine, which the Bible speaks about pharmacia being the biggest spirit that will plague the earth in the final days. And that's what we see. And the third thing they said we'll attack is prosperity. And they come and they call it the prosperity gospel. There's no such thing as a prosperity gospel. It's an oxymoron. And if you believe that there is a prosperity gospel, you're plain moron. (laughs) Everything about the gospel is blessing. Salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom, blessing. What? In every realm, 
not just spiritually, but naturally. That you can't hang around Jesus and, and run out of anything. Because even if your business was failing, he would get in the middle of your business and everything would turn around. If you fished all night and caught nothing, cast your net on the other side. You got a net breaking boat, sinking load of fish. If you didn't have money to pay the taxes, he would tell you what fish to catch to get the coin out of the fish's mouth. Somebody said, well, what, if, what happens if we serve God and, and then we get blessed and we forget him? You're an idiot. Why would you forget God? He said, you will remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to create wealth, to establish his covenant. You shall not say it's my might and my mind that have gotten me this wealth. And you look at the stuff here, even in the city. I was, I was looking through the window today over the city of Las Vegas and I was thinking to myself, there'll be places here that are brand new that they spend billions of dollars on. 100 years from today, they'll be raised to the ground. Nobody will even remember it. Somebody will say, oh, back 100, if Jesus tarries, 100 years ago, there used to be this resort. And you could travel around the world and you'll see that every, everywhere. There's names on places from the 17 and 1800s that people don't even know who that is. That was a billionaire and a philanthropist of his day. And he founded that whole thing and built it. Today is just the Harry Smith Jackson building. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody even cares. So... Without treasure, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. That's why when we sow into the gospel, nothing we give is lost. Whatever we do on the earth, just temporal things, that's the temporal thing, which God wants to bless his people. Doesn't matter what accommodation, houses, cars, God's not really worried about any of that stuff. He's not worried about it. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? The things the Gentiles seek will be added unto you. And the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I'm just going to speak this over you here. There's wealth in this city that's going to come in the hands of the believers here in the next three to five years. And it's going to be supernatural, just like I mentioned early in the testimony, what's happening with that evangelist. Who can imagine that a person who has millions of people who's had circuses all across America is now, because he can't function as that, is now going to devote his time to setting up crusades. He said, I want to help you. I'm going to spend the rest of my life helping you set up crusades all over America. Come on, if you don't think that's what I'm talking about here, then you don't understand what God's about to do. This property, this property, this land in this city that's going to come in the hands of God's people, it's going to be supernatural. Don't walk around here and say, oh, it's just everything's so costly. It's the costly piece that will come into your hands. There, there will be landmark buildings that will come in the hands of God's people. Just when it happens, don't forget him and honor him for that. And get ready for what God's about to do here in Las Vegas. Can you say amen? amen. 
Halleluja. 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 Glory to God. Say this after me. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Well, are you just? Some people are just here. Say it again. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Say this after me. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are opened under their prayers. That means he hears your cry. Hallelujah. Now, how many in this room tonight, you have a big vision or big dream? We in a city are big visions and big dreams. If you drive around, you see it. Somebody had a dream for that resort or that or whatever. It doesn't matter that they're not motivated by the Holy Ghost. They still, God allows people to have a vision or dream, but it comes to nothingness if it's not originated in him it will be something that'll be temporal it'll come and go but i'm talking about eternal things how many have something very big that you feel god wants you to accomplish between now and the time you leave the planet now let me ask you another question that dream or that vision that god put in the inside of you is that something you can accomplish with no, with nothing how many know in order to accomplish it's going to cost resources? Okay, so it has to come from somewhere. Let me ask the question. Do you think the mob are going to fund you? Do you think they're going to, you're going to be approached by, by um, <laughs> whatever, Gambino, whatever. Nobody's ever coming. Brother Rodney. We we believe in the ministry. And we we want to help you. I've got to get, it takes a while, because you've really got to hurt the back of your throat in order to get that out. In actual fact, we're going to send people to help you receive the offering. And if the people don't give, we'll break the kneecaps. <laughs> we'll go to the house and air condition the place. No, I mean, the mob are not funding what the Lord's doing. It's righteous people. So in order for that to happen, God's people have to be blessed. And here's the thing. It's not about throwing something in a bucket. Here on earth, we receive these on behalf of the king. What you're doing in the natural is you're actually laying up treasure in heaven. And you are, some say, well, there's no temple being built. The winning of souls is the building of the house of God. It's not just in brick and mortar. Can you say amen? So tonight, what are you sowing into? Both of our ministries are involved in one thing, the harvest and souls. And we're using every method available to get the gospel out and to win souls. And I believe that there are people, even in the city, that have huge resources. 
And God's about to release, listen, millions. When you look at resorts, they spend billions of dollars on stuff of that magnitude must be released for the harvest of souls for this final hour. Can you say amen? It has to. And God's going to anoint his people. And I'll just say this, and then we're going to give up offering envelopes, and you pray, ask God, what do you have you do? When I was a kid growing up, I was saved at the age of five, baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. A book came out that we got a hold of early 70s. I was uh, maybe 12 years old when I first put my hands on it, maybe even nine or 10. And I, I started reading it. It was a big book. And, but my dad filled me in on everything. Some of the words you didn't understand, you know. You know how kids are when they read. And um, the book was called Mover of Men and Mountains by R.G. Letourneau, which if any of you know, he was actually a Wesleyan Methodist who lived up in the Seattle region and actually was born back in the 1800s, lived at the turn of the century. And he's the, he was the designer and the inventor of all the biggest earth-moving equipment on the planet, the oil rigs. I mean, everything that's mega, when you see a tractor with all the supplement, uh, um, add-ons and that, there, there, he did all that with, with everything that he did. And he made so much money, listen to me, that he believed in tithing, that his tithe was so big that he determined in his heart, I'm going to live off the tithe and give God the 90%. Which you listen to modern preachers today, oh, we don't even tithe or whatever. I said to somebody, what's your problem when that was under the law? I said, if tithing was under the law, then under the New Testament, we should give everything. I mean, if the law demanded a tithe, which that's a total lie. Abraham paid tithes before, 400 years before the law even came into existence. The tithe is your reasonable service. If you can't give God a tenth, you're the stingiest tightwad Scrooge on the face of the planet. Even a tip is 18 to 20 plus percent. Hello? So all of this is to rob the church, the body of Christ, of the resources to accomplish what God has called the church to do. So somebody said, you believe in the time? Yeah. Yeah, I believe in the time. But in the story... His tithe was so big that he determined, you know what I'm going to do? I'll live off the tithe and I'll give God the 90%. So growing up as a kid, going into the ministry at the age of 18, and I always, I kept saying to the Lord, Lord, could this ever happen again? Could, could this ever take place again? And I encourage you, get that book and read it. It'll be inspiration to you. And the Lord said to me, before my return, I will so bless my people with wealth that will come into their hands that they'll live off the tithe and they'll give me the 90%. Now, somebody said, well, that's not possible. Look, I'm not here to sit and argue with you. I didn't come here to argue with you. I didn't even have time to argue with you. And to be honest with you, I don't really care to argue with you. I'm not here to base what I do on people's opinions. I know what the Lord's been talking to us all these years, and we're about to see it. It's already happening. The first flood of it is taking place. 
supernatural provision and supernatural acceleration that three years from now you won't even recognize yourself. When, when your friends and family and loved ones look at you, they will go, what in the world happened? How is it possible that you were that way over there? No one in the family's ever done this. No one in the family's ever reached this. And you, you don't even have the education for it. You haven't even been around the so-called right group of people. But yet an acceleration took place. I don't understand what's happening because God can drop into your spirit creative ideas, witty inventions. You could go to sleep tonight and have a dream and God show you what to do. The Lord show you where the property is. That there's hidden treasure there. And it can happen like that. He's the God of the impossible. It's what he does. Can water come from a rock? Can manna come out of heaven? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He walks on water. Turns water into wine. Multiplies five loaves and two fish to feed a multitude. And baskets left over. He's a supernatural God. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tonight as you sow, you're sowing the harvest of souls. We're going to pray. You're not giving to something temporal. This will be waiting for you on the other side. Can you say amen? amen? So what are you believing God for tonight? Let me just ask you that question. Who's believing the Lord the next three years that you're going to see this total breakthrough in every realm of your life? In your home, your marriage, your children, your finances, your business, your church, whatever you are doing that shall accelerate and every boundary and every obstacle will be removed and you will lurch forward, you'll see it, you'll see it take place before your eyes. Can you say amen? amen. Well, then get ready for what God's about it because that's what this anointing is about. Evangelist Jonathan talked about it. The Lord, and I'll be, I'll be totally frank with you. We've kept our ministry in a position. We, we actually never tried to grow the ministry. It just exploded. But we never, we never, Pastor Eric's been with me 27 years. There's no one time I said, hey, we need to try to get some more money. Not one time we ever talk about that. We never said, oh, we need more people to give. We just every day get up and do what God tells us to do. So what I'm trying to tell you here, our focus is not on these things. We teach these things because God told me, teach my people what my word says concerning sowing and reaping, and I will bless them. And we've taught this in nations. We've been in 92 countries. The whole of Australia was changed in the 95 period through these teachings that churches are now being built around the world. The whole of Southern Africa was changed the same way. And we took as much heat over the teaching on stewardship as we did over the joy. But I thought, I'm going to get criticized for joy. I'm going to get criticized for teaching on blessing. So I'll just laugh while we get blessed and just leave the whole thing alone. And it doesn't matter. The dogs bark, but the caravan keeps moving. Can you say amen? It's God's word. It's not our word. It's God's word. And in eternity, you'll see David's temple. On earth, his name was never written on there. In this city, all these buildings will not even exist in eternity. 
Their names, if they, are, if they don't know Jesus, their names will never be mentioned again. Their names will not even be mentioned in hell. No one will know them in hell. But your name will be known in heaven. And your work will follow you on. So tonight, this is a holy moment as you sow. This is not just like, oh, I'll probably better give. They've got to do an offering. No, this is a holy moment of worship right now. So just close your eyes. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then be obedient to obey the Holy Ghost. While your head is bowed and your eyes closed, you're just talking to the Lord. One of the things that happened on the night of the open vision, I was suddenly in the treasury of heaven. And one of the things about heaven is heaven has no lack. And one of the things that shocked me about heaven, about the treasury, was that everything was perfect. Nothing was done shoddily. Everything was, you couldn't even call it five star because five star is a low standard. It was perfection in every realm. And something happened that early hours of March the 17th, 2020, where from that day, I felt an urge to, to, to demand that everything be, be done with perfection. We are not doing this for ourselves. It must be done with perfection for the king. We are doing it for the king. If we're going to do something, we're going to do it for the king, and we're going to do it properly. Whereas many people have always said, it's for the church, just do it cheap. God doesn't want his stuff done cheap. He's not talking about waste, but he wants it done properly. Because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. So, Father, as your people pray tonight, even as they talk to you, as they take a seed tonight and sow it into the gospel, that whatever they sow tonight will not be lost, but in eternity they're laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt, where thieves cannot break through and steal. And where their treasure is, that's where their heart's going to be also. And I pray for a multiplication of the seed sown here tonight. Father, there's people here tonight and some watching that could sow a million dollars. There's some people that could give a half a million. Some people could give a hundred thousand. Some could give ten, five, or whatever you put on their heart. I pray that they shall not hold on to it for fear of a storm that's coming or rainy day. But Lord, as you speak to them, and there might even be people here tonight that you speak to them to sell a piece of property and bring that for the building of the house, for the harvest of souls. Because, Lord, you know what is needed in the days and weeks and months to come. But this is not to rob any person here of anything that they have. But this is to multiply them and increase them in the days and weeks and months to come. That they will look back and say, from that night in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the Holy Ghost, I hit a jackpot. Something happened. I hit a jackpot because I learned and grabbed the key that would unlock the door to the blessing of heaven. And from that day, I've never looked back. From that night when Evangelist Jonathan and Pastor Rodney came, I've never looked back and provision has been my portion. Not only was my head anointed with oil, but my cup began to run over and my cup has never run out. In actual fact, my cup ran over, went into the saucer, 
I've overflowed the saucer, wind up across the table, overflowed the table, messed up the kitchen floor because the blessing of the Lord has come upon my life. So I speak that even now as we do this holy, because Lord, I felt the anointing here tonight for this. I just felt it so strong. And I thank you. Yes, 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 yes. That which the Spirit of God is speaking about even now shall be seen in the lives of those that grab a hold of the word of the Lord and grab a hold of it eagerly and grab a hold of it with joy and then say, yes, Lord, yes, so be it unto me. Be it unto me according to your word. I'll grab a hold of this. I'll take that which you've given unto me and I'll release it into the hands of the work of the ministry. And I thank you. From this night, I shall never lack. From this night, I will never be worried about provision. From this night, I will not lie awake in the middle of the night worrying about where this is coming from and how that's going to be made. But I shall see the blessing of heaven come upon every realm. It shall be upon me, upon my wife, upon my children, upon my grandchildren grandchildren, upon my great-grandchildren, and upon every generation from now until the time you come to take me home, my generation upon generation will speak of the glory of God and His miraculous abundant provision in my life. And Father, I thank you for a rich Ah, brosombo. I tell you, listen to me carefully. There are people throwing huge money away today. If you walk through the casinos, you can see the payouts, wads of money. But the Lord just dropped us in my spirit. There's more riches in this room right now than in the whole of Las Vegas put together. There is more wealth in this room right now than the whole of Vegas put together. Someone said, come on, you're crazy. You're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I'm drunk on the new wine of heaven. I'm not crazy. There's more wealth in this room right now. This is the gathering of the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Why? Because through the lives of each and every one of these people, resources are going to be released. There's people here, God's going to make a multi-millionaire in the next three years. There's going to be people here that God's going to accelerate. There's even future billionaires here because one, one drop, one drop of the anointing of God will accelerate you. I'm a living proof of it. I come from Africa. I had nothing. When we were married, we had nothing. We landed in America with $300. Everything is a miracle. It's a miracle. So get ready for what God's about to do. Can you say amen? I feel this very strong tonight. I feel it very strong tonight. I'm feeling something in Vegas that I haven't felt anywhere else. I promise you right now. I feel something is happening here tonight. This is a landmark night. This is a supernatural night. I preach on this around the world. I've never felt what I felt anywhere else on the planet talking about what I'm talking about right now. I want the ushers to come. 
hand out the offering envelopes. Do, do what the Lord tells you to do. Make your checks out to Revival Ministries International. And everything's up on the screen. Pastor Eric will come and give you instruction on what to do. Follow the Lord. You watching in your homes, follow the Lord. Follow the Holy Ghost. There's big things they're doing. There's big things we're doing. Within two months, we're going to be in a major stadium in Southern Africa. We already have almost 50,000 people registered. You'll be able to watch online. You can see everything taking place. Pastor Eric. The ushers are handing a stack of envelopes down the row, so just hand a stack down the row. Ask the Lord what he'd have you do and do exactly that. Uh, you can look at the screen. You can see all the different ways to give. Make your checks out to RMI or Revival Ministries International. You can see it right up on the screen and do what he's telling you to do. And then many other ways to sow seed. Those that are watching around the world and those that are here, you can give through your cell phone, which you can text 77977-GIVE-RMI. 77977-GIVE-RMI. This is the only thing It's important. When you give electronically, you need to put, there's a drop-down box and it says 300 City Tour. So please mark that. If you're giving electronically, three, it'll be a drop-down box, 300 City Tour. And then also Revival.com. You can click on Invest Now. Once again, drop-down box, 300 City Tour. Please mark that. And then Cash App, you can also sow a seed through Cash App. You can see the logo up here. It's Dollar Sign Revival Ministries with an S on the end. And you can see it's a blue logo, Revival Ministries, Dollar Sign Revival Ministries. And do what the Lord is telling you to do. And if you... Two or three. Maybe you have to go to your bank next week and go lose some of the stuff. Just obey the Holy Ghost and watch what God's going to do. Watch what God's going to do. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. So if we missed you with an envelope, raise your hand. There's people with their hands up. Ushers will get you an envelope right now. And those watching again, go to revival.com. This is the time we're worshiping the Lord with our giving. So do that in your home right now. Revival.com, click invest now, or all the other ways are on the screen. So do what he tells you to do. We'll give you a few more minutes to get your offerings ready. Hallelujah. There are going to be many awesome testimonies that will come out of tonight. You know, the anointing, not just so you get touched in the service and fall down and whatever. The anointing is to accomplish heaven's purpose and plan, which God has for each person here tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to just say this. 
God doesn't think like man thinks. When we did this last tour through Africa, I carry a huge group of people with me, 19 people, that's a lot. And uh, we were carrying equipment in four countries. And I said, Lord, how am I going to do this? It's impossible to go commercially on these. Because we charter, you know, we, we've done that since 93. At one time, we did own our own plane. But I'm on different missions, so you take more or less people, depending. So I'd like to use aircraft. If it's a smaller mission, take a smaller plane. Or a bigger mission, take a bigger one. And there's some places you can't land a plane. You, you know, you've got to go by boat or whatever. I've, I've used every method to get to where we were going. And as I was praying, and we put the, we have like 27 charter companies that we'll use, I popped an Airbus on the list. And I looked at it, I thought, that's an Airbus. And it was an Airbus that carried kings around. And I said to the Lord, Lord, that's an Airbus. He said, yeah, but if you look at over the 10 countries, it's only about 20,000 extra a country. I said, Lord, that, that Airbus carries kings. He said, yeah, but you represent my kingdom. Go in accordingly. And it shocked me what the Lord said to me. So I didn't realize which you would think there would be a backlash of us coming into countries throughout Africa flying in an Airbus. Listen, they, the government heads were fighting over who was coming to the airport to meet us on the red carpet. I have never in my life seen anything like it. I was like astounded. The press were all there with cameras. In America, they'd be crucifying everything. They didn't even worry about the plane. They just, in actual fact, the first lady of Kenya said, do you realize what you've done when you flew into this city? You're the biggest aircraft that's ever landed here. And we've been praying that God would give us a breakthrough, that this would become a major airport. And we believe you coming on this plane has now broken this thing over this city and over this region. And when, when we went into Kenya, we were able, by God's grace, to take in 500 tons of food because the nation was starving, and we presented that to the government of Kenya. Blew their mind. When, we, when I got down to Malawi, the Malawian president looked at me and said, I heard what you did for Kenya. Do you have any fertilizer for us? I was going to say, no. And the Lord said, tell him you do. I said, yes, sir, we have fertilizer for your country. I mean... I begin to see God operating on another whole realm and another whole level. And the Lord said, my people think too small. They function too small because they look at what they have in their hand. But if you take what you have in your hand and put it in the hand of God, it multiplies and you begin to see everything in another realm. And that's what's going to happen right here in Las Vegas. Can you say amen? Praise God. Laptop, whichever way you're giving. Father, we thank you for multiplication, increase, more than enough, supernatural provision now in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Ushers, go ahead, hand the buckets down the road. Children, the children, the children. 
Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to just once again encourage you, don't miss tomorrow morning and tomorrow night the special anointing service. I promise you. By midnight tomorrow night, this meeting will be history. I haven't been here in 40 years. This is his first meeting in Vegas. We don't know when we'll be back, but I will just tell you this. What the Lord's remember, somebody said, yeah, but there weren't 10,000 people. On the day of Pentecost, there was only 120. So obviously, you don't actually know how things function. Duh. Well, they went to Vegas and they didn't have 10,000 people. I don't see anybody else doing anything here. Do you realize where we're in? Plaza, hotel, casino, and bingo. Just to leave this place, we have to walk through smoke-infested rooms with people worshiping false gods. I think the rooms here, what are they, $30 a night? Yeah, the rooms in this hotel, 30 bucks a night. Yeah. Over the weekend, I think, what, they go to 80 bucks? Yeah. Because the place is not built for you to stay in. It's so you can come and gamble. They don't want you in the rooms. They want you in front of your Lord and Master. And the whole city's built like that. Now, let me ask you a question. How many are here to be mobilized for the harvest of souls? All right. First of all, how many would like to lead more people to Jesus? What about the people that didn't raise their hand? Can, 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 do we, can you get the headsets to the foreign language group? If some people just came across the border, this is their first meeting, they just. <laughs> who would like to lead people to, who would like to tell people about Jesus and get them saved? Yes. So, so what if I give you a way to do that here that's very simple tonight to do that? If the Lord would anoint you with his fire, how many would promise and tell the Lord from now to the time you come? Now listen, I'm not going to ask you to commit to do anything major. But I will promise you, Lord, I will tell one person about Jesus every day from now to the time you come. Just one. Just one person. Who thinks you can tell one person? Okay. Somebody said, I'll tell ten. I don't want you to tell ten. I want you to tell one. Somebody said, why? Because if you told 10 one day and the next day you couldn't tell one, you'd feel guilty and then you start to back off. But everybody can tell one person about Jesus. The harvest of souls cannot come in through the ability of one or two or three people. Evangelists do not grow on trees. You cannot go to a supermarket and say, I'd like two Oral Roberts's, two Billy Graham's, Five runner bonkers. They don't grow on trees. You can't buy them at a supermarket. These, these gifts 
are birthed in the fire of God. But every believer can win souls and can be used of God to bring in the harvest. You see the stats on the end of everything we post is how many people were mobilized. Somebody said, well, what does that mean? I don't even understand. These are people that have committed to tell the Lord, I'm going to tell one person about Jesus. This trip through Africa that we just did with um, 10 countries, we had 71,000 people commit to tell one person about Jesus every day. That's 25.9 million a year that will hear about Jesus just from them that said, I will tell one person. So it's not by the efforts of one. What God is doing through this ministry and all the ministries associated with us, 47 million people have come to know Jesus. Okay, so it's not by the efforts of one, but by the combined efforts of many. Dr. Graham, Dr. Billy Graham's ministry, how many are aware of, there was a man called Billy Graham? His whole ministry saw about 8 million people saved while he was alive. That was it. 8 million people were saved. But since he died, 26 million people have been saved. What does that mean? Just through the mechanism of the ministry and all the stuff they're doing with outreaches and internet and people are getting saved left, right, and center. So it would actually look like you're going to get more people saved when you die than when you're alive, which really should happen to you while you're alive. You should die. Yeah, that's good. Are you with me? Yeah. I must decrease. He must increase. The reason why people are embarrassed to even share about Jesus is because they don't have the fire of the Holy Ghost. When the power of God comes upon you, when the glory of God comes upon you, you're just going to be a witness. That's what happened in Acts 1 and verse 8. Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, which is Las Vegas, Nevada. I mean, this genuinely is the uttermost parts of the earth. But that power will come on you and move you. God didn't call every one of you to be a pew warmer. God didn't call you just to show up in church on Sunday morning and warm a pew bench. Every believer has to be mobilized for the harvest. Otherwise, what's going to happen when you get to heaven and you've got nothing to show for your life on the earth? Nothing. You didn't bring anybody with you. Oh, you were a critic. You knew how everything should be done. You knew how Christians should act. You even knew how preachers should act. But you never did anything yourself other than just move your jaw. Hello? Come on now, say amen. amen. Oh, you knew everything. You even studied. You knew the Greek. You knew the Hebrew. But you did nothing. You have nothing to show. What are you going to do when you stand in heaven and you have nothing to show for your life on earth? You didn't bring anybody with you.
Somebody said, well, you're trying to make me feel guilty. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you. So when you get there, you don't look like an idiot. I told our church in Tampa, you're going to have fruit in heaven because I'm going to kick your blessed assurance. (laughs) Not one of you are going to get to heaven and have no fruit. Every one of you are going to have fruit and going to have eternal fruit. At the judgment seat of Christ, what's called the Bema, there's going to be a row of people and they're going to be collecting trophies and other people are going to look and say, who's that bunch of people there? They are laden down with trophies. Say, oh, they go, they went to the river church. Pastor Rodney was the pastor and he said he kicked their blessed assurance and they, everyone got with the program. Everyone got on board. So I don't want anybody who calls himself a believer here tonight. When you leave this earth, somebody says, yeah, but I'm too old. My wife mentioned it. We reach out to seniors. God can make the next three years of your life as, be, as, as though it was 30 years. Are you with me? So don't come and tell me you're too old. There's old people downstairs pulling one arm bandits. <laughs> the people came in on walkers. There are people downstairs with their pension money. There are people that get their, 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 what, what, the weekly allowance. What do they call it? Social security or whatever. But there's some get the, huh? The government pays out. You know, the, the, the government gives people all these handouts. And they get their couple of stipend dollars or whatever that they hit. And they just go there hoping. I've heard of preachers that owed on their building that took the Sunday offering and came to Vegas because they owed the mob 50% interest, you know. And uh, they, 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 they played it until they couldn't play it anymore, you know. It's just like, you know you're in the wrong place when you're trying to get money from the devil like that. No wonder the church has so many windows. They had to hire Vinny's window cleaning operation. And the windows are always dirty. It's like a cash-through situation, you know. (laughs) Now I'm talking about actual cases. A church in New Jersey did that. And uh, the mob owned the church. uh, Joey's carpet cleaning, they... They cleaned the carpets every day. They were the dirtiest carpets ever, the whole of New Jersey. Big 5,000-seat auditorium, but the carpets were being cleaned every day. Money was washed through the church. Windows are cleaned every day. And uh, looks to me like the road building that takes place in America, where some of the highways have been under construction for 30 years. Money laundering operation. Anyway, moving right along. So God wants to mobilize every person here for the harvest tonight. But let me just say this. You can't be mobilized if you are just a nominal Christian. One of the things that I found out was that when revival broke out in 89, and uh, many people were touched, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, and God spoke to me then to go to New York, go to Madison Square Garden. 
a lot of the people that were touched by revival, they said, what are you doing? Why are you going to go do that? There were many people that were touched by the fire of revival. They didn't want to go outside the four walls of the church. They just want to come in, get blessed, touch me, pray for me. Oh, I want to get filled again. I said, you've been filled. Go pour yourself out. What's wrong with you? You get filled up to be poured out, not to just to come and get blessed again and blessed again and blessed. You to go give. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. You've got to go give what you've received from heaven. And then all of my friends in the evangelical church, and, and believe it or not, I have a lot of friends amongst the evangelical movement. I've got Baptist friends. I've got, I've got friends that if I told you who was my friend, you wouldn't believe it. you think I'm making it up. I have theologians. I have some of the top theologians in the world that are not Pentecostal, don't believe in anything I believe, but they love me, and they are my friends. Oh, yeah. And we spend hours talking. I'm not talking about some lightweight. I'm talking about people with three major degrees, PhDs and whatever. But I know how to talk to them. They haven't put me off because I know what the Bible says. I didn't read a book about the book. I read the book. <laughs> Big difference. Are you with me? I not only read the book, I met the author. That's another dimension when you meet the author. They say, well, God, is, excuse me, I just talked to him. He said he doesn't know anything you're talking about. <laughs> I was being mercilessly attacked back in the 90s. Somebody was attacking me majorly. This is before the internet. You know, before the internet was, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I started preaching before there was any of the social media and stuff like that. Somebody said, oh, they're going to shut down social media. What are we going to do? I said, I'll just do what I did in the 90s. Uh, how did you get the word out? Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Two people caught fire, told 10. 10 people caught fire, told 50. 50 caught fire, they told 100. And it multiplied. That meeting in 93 exploded in Central Florida. Of 100,000 people came through the doors in six weeks, all word of mouth. No YouTube, Facebook. Facebook, what's that? Your face has a book. <laughs> no Twitter. YouTube. At one time, I thought they were going to combine all three and call it you. You twit face. <laughs> now, obviously we use social media to spread the gospel, but there's nothing like your face being in front of the face of somebody else. And uh, hashtag pray for Paris, it doesn't do anything. Hashtag pray for whatever, pray for Vegas. Shooting in Vegas. Hashtag pray for Vegas. Problem in the hashtag pray for. All the hashtag pray for. It's just, it's a joke, folks. It's a total joke. Hashtag get your butt off your sofa. Hashtag put your phone down. Hashtag buy a ticket. Hashtag get on a plane. Hashtag get your rear end there. Hashtag open your mouth and speak. 
because God wants to send your hash. <laughs> into as many places. Amen. <laughs> you smile, smile. If you're just staring at me, he wants to send your hash to go do something. He doesn't want you just sitting there. Most people are sitting, sitting on the ash. I'm telling you right now, just sit on the ash the whole time. Now that's the first, I've never used that before, but that's very funny. <laughs> I will be using that again. <clears throat> it could be one of your t-shirts. Hashtag, get off your hash, you know, whatever. I expect a commission from that t-shirt. Uh, so, God wants to use every person. He wants to use every person here tonight. Somebody said, I'm unusable. Um, if you read the Bible, there were many people that were unusable. Saul of Tarsus. But he had a head-on collision with God. Moses, who failed, but he had a burning bush experience. And all throughout Scripture, and even Peter, who denied Jesus three times, yet he got to preach the Pentecost message. Why? Why did God allow Peter to preach? Because he wanted to show you the before and the after picture. Before the Holy Ghost, you deny the Lord. You, you embarrassed, you shy, you, no, I don't know him. But when the Holy Ghost comes, suddenly you get up and boldly proclaim. So for every person here, under the sound of my voice, there's nothing wrong with you. A little bit more, the fire of God wouldn't cure. And when the fire of God comes on you, God begins to mobilize you to accomplish heaven's purpose and heaven's plan. And that's what happened to us. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to Evangelist Jonathan. I mean, do you think about what the miracle that's taken place? You could have just been a nominal Assemblies of God evangelist. Just traveling around, having little meetings, moaning about all these other preachers out there that were success. No, no, because that's what they do. And yet the Lord, I mean, obviously God at the age of eight, when that angel appeared to you, but it took the fire of God, which obviously in, in the sovereign plan of God, to move you, put you with a Puerto Rican woman. Hallelujah. <laughs> Not him. Always <laughs> oh, a Puerto Rican in the crowd. Now, you might be sitting here and say, well, I find myself in the same condition. But that's why the fire of God is so important. Amen. How are you going to get the fire if you hang around dead people? Right. How are you going to get the fire if people say, God doesn't do that anymore? There were people say, well, all that strange fire. You know when these theologians throw stuff out? Oh, it's strange fire. I said, do you even understand what strange fire is? 
They don't. If they, if they knew what strange fire was, they wouldn't open their mouth and talk rubbish. Strange fire is when you pretend to have the anointing and you have nothing. Strange fire, go study the life of Hophni and Phinehas, Nadab and Abihu, when they pretended. That's strange fire. Strange fire is if we were here tonight pretending to have the anointing. We're not here pretending anything. The Holy Ghost is all over this place. Now, the thing that God began to speak to me about on the 300 city tour, which tonight is city number 249. He said, when you do these meetings, just pull my believers together, pull the believers together. Souls are going to get saved. But I want you to believe in every city for 120 people out of that city to catch fire. I said, Lord, that doesn't sound like a much. But he said, what do you think happened on the day of Pentecost? So I'm actually only here looking for 120. I don't know who they're going to be. By the lack of response here, we will be lucky <laughs> to get three. I don't, know how, I don't know how many of that 120 are here tonight. But the 120 are not just people that have been touched by the power of God. Because that was the thing. When we went to New York, all my evangelical brothers and sisters want to reach the harvest. They want souls. Baptists want souls. Methodists want souls but they are afraid of the fire. And then all my fire people don't want to go out. They want to just sit in the upper room. The upper room is not a place where you camp out. It's not a hotel you check in and never check out. The upper room is a place of being empowered by the Spirit of God. And you get empowered, then you go out to do something. And some people say, well, I can't win souls every day. Everybody can tell one person about Jesus every day. Just one. Just one. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. The man moving a bag of potato. The electrician, the plumber, the roofer too. You, you, you bump into people. Uber driver. It's a short drive. Hey, sir, can I ask you a question? Somebody said, well, will they get saved? It depends on how anointed you are when you ask those questions. If you are religious, you won't get anywhere. But when you follow the Holy Ghost, even if they never prayed with you, when they lay on their bed that night, your words would play again and again and again. And again and again. And then end up getting saved because you sowed the seed. When we went to New York, Madison Square Garden, I knew there was so much against us. We didn't have a major denomination to support us. That event cost us $6.7 million. I didn't have the money, but the Lord supernaturally helped us. We paid for that event. 
We opened the first night with 3,000 people in the garden. Somebody said, that was terrible. It's 3,000 more than anybody else had. Nobody else was going there. It was in the middle of a major heat wave that hit the city of New York, plus the Kennedy plane had gone down and everybody was in mourning. It was a major upheaval. The subways were shut down, which was a major entryway into Manhattan. So 3,000 people on that opening night, the seventh day of July, 1999, for six weeks we rented that place. But we knew that obviously the Christians would come to the event, but they weren't going to bring souls. There would be people answer altar calls. There would be people come as backsliders, but we had to go get souls. And so we formulated a way in our team and Pastor Eric and Jennifer put together what we use called in the gospel soul winning script to send people out to lead people to Jesus. Somebody said, well, I don't need to lead people to Jesus using your script. I know the Romans wrote, listen, you can have 10, 15 ways to get people saved. We're not saying any other method is wrong. There is one method we do not adhere to, which is what's called the way of the master. I know there's going to offend some people here today. I don't really care. But some doofus out of New Zealand came up with the way of the master who you walk up to a person, you go, excuse me, sir, have you ever told a lie? Yes. Uh, have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart? Yes. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Yes. Well, by your own confession, you're lying adulterous thief. And now he's going to convict them of their sin. That's not what, that's not how you get convicted of your sin. You, you try to, Jesus never did that. So it's not the way of the master. There's not one account in the gospels where Jesus even did that. The woman caught in adultery when they brought her in accusation and they caught her, the Pharisees caught her in adultery. They were looking to catch her. We've got you, now come. And she should have been stoned under the law. And Jesus never even said, that's right, take her out and stone her. He wrote in the ground. And all of them had rocks. He wrote in the ground. Somebody said, what did he write in the ground? Who was the woman you were with last night, Jack? So <laughs> dropped the rock and off. They went, and then he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. He said, I don't accuse you either, because the Bible says the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. You can run around, you can run around Las Vegas with signs, repent or go to hell and scream, you're going to hell. It's not going to get people saved. And if, in actual fact, you're going to look like a total religious doofus. It's not going to release the power of God. Jesus came with signs and wonders and miracles that turned people's lives around, that Zacchaeus climbed up a tree. He was a rich man, but very short, but he got up a tree, went on a gal, out on a limb to see Jesus, and Jesus walked right by. Zacchaeus, come down, I'm coming to your house. And they were upset because he went to the house of a sinner. God's going to put you in the house of chief sinners in the city. God's going to put you in the house of people that are totally lost and you're going to bring them the harvest of souls. And when you're walking, don't go in there with the holier than now anything. Don't go in there that you're better than anybody else. Even if their language is bad, don't say, please don't say that around me. I am a preacher after all. What? You idiot. They don't know how to speak. That's their language. They, they, they don't have adjectives. Let it go off if you're like water of a duck's back. 
and just love on. I've been in many places where they were cussing right in my face and I looked right at them and I began to talk to them and the power of God came on them, tears came in their eyes. They started shaking under the anointing of God and I put my hands upon them. Listen, it's the goodness of God that would lead people to repentance. God wants you to go into these realms. There are hardened cases. There are, there are cases of people. There are people that are going to be saved in the next three years that you would say, I never dreamed that these people would ever get saved. It's impossible for them to get saved. They are total atheists. They are heathens. But they are going to get saved. I'm telling you right now. And you're going to see it take place. All that has to happen in the city of Las Vegas is for one or two key people in the city, key people in the city to have an encounter with God. Men, I feel the anointing right now. In your town, in your region. The woman at the well. How many know the story of the woman at the well? Do you know what kind of a woman she was? She was coming to get water. You can read about it in John's Gospel, chapter 4. Jesus was tired. He was sitting by the well. He was also hungry. Which said, really help me. When I heard that Jesus got tired and he was hungry, because there have been times I've been tired and hungry. I don't look like it. <laughs> but I am losing some of the COVID supply of all the snacks because I did put on some during that whole period because there were too many snacks. How <laughs> I many know what I'm talking about? Now, he's sitting there. The disciples go to get him food. This woman comes up to the well to get water. One of the most valuable things that you have as a person to get water is, is your bucket. Because they never left a bucket on the well because somebody would steal it. You had a rope with the thing that you could put the bucket, attach it to and send it down. But the next person had to have a bucket. You, you can't tell me somebody come to a well, they're thirsty, there's a bucket. They're taking a bucket. How I many know what I'm talking about? So it's kind of bring your own bucket kind of story. She comes to draw water. Jesus begins to talk to her and says, if you knew the water that I have, if you, this water you drink, you'll thirst again, but the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. She goes, where, where, where is this well? Where is this water? What do you draw it with? Which the Bible says, with joy shall you draw forth water out of the wells of salvation. That's why joy is so important. Are you with me? And so, it's a remarkable story of what actually took place. So she meets Jesus and he tells her, he says, um, <laughs> I mean, he just, he, he, he didn't accuse her. We, he was talking to her about the husband. She said, well, I've had five. And he said, well, the one you're with is not your husband. She said, you're a prophet. So she, she knew men. She knew everything about men. She was so overwhelmed by what Jesus told her because he, and he didn't condemn her. He just told her about her story. He basically read her mail, which that's why we have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God 
You out there, if somebody comes, oh, well, this is a story, and then the Lord shows you by word of knowledge, this, this, this. You say, yes, but this. And they go, how do you know these things about me? So she ran back to the village, and she told them all, come see a man. Well, every man followed her. Why? Because they knew that she knew men. She was an expert on men. So they came out, and I could spend the whole time reading the whole chapter. Go study at home when you get home. And when, when the whole village came out, they stayed with Jesus for several days. Then they said, to, they said, Jesus, please stay here longer. Then they said to the woman, we believe on him now, not because of what you told us, but because of what he told us. So that woman became, as a fact, people hate woman preachers, but she became one of the greatest evangelists in the early part of that whole thing and brought a whole village to Jesus. That woman brought a whole village. You talk about unusable. You talk about people that everybody would have looked over. What about Rahab the harlot? And I'm, I'm not, what I'm saying, the people here in the city, when you see them beyond what they're functioning in right now, that that person is going to be used of God. That person is doing this tonight, but tomorrow they're going to be different. That person is out there functioning under demonic forces, but God's going to turn their life around. The soul of Tarsus, who was actually killing people and arresting people, totally transformed on the road to Damascus. There's people here in the city that are going to have a head-on collision with the Holy Ghost. And somebody said, well, how are they going to have their head-on collision with the Holy Ghost? When you get there full of the Holy Ghost, they're going to have a head-on collision with the Holy Ghost. And I don't have time tonight to get into all the stories where I'll take a whole day and I'm on a journey and there'll be a couple and I'll spend a whole day with a total stranger. They've got nothing to do with our church. They don't even live in Tampa. They're an hour away and I will invade their life. Their whole life will turn. They'll be totally saved, set free. And then I, then I go about my business. I'm doing whatever. And they don't even know what I do. Later on, they find out, but pastor, you're pastor, yes. You don't even look like a pastor. I said, thank you so much. <laughs> because I didn't come there speaking Christianese, and I can talk on their level, and I can reach out into their realm. I don't come there quoting scripture. I just come there, just love. They, they say, what do I feel here? I feel something here when you walked in the door. I feel something. There's something crazy going on here. I feel, I feel strange. I feel I've never felt this before. I feel, I feel peaceful being around you. Don't go. Can you just stay a little longer? These are total sinners. Because you are carriers of the presence of God. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Every one of you. Every single one of you. Don't argue with me tonight. Don't say no, not me. I will slap you. Every single one of you can be used of God if you would just say, okay, listen, I messed up so badly. I've blown everything. God, please. But you know what? If you can, here I am. And from today, I promise you, I'm going to tell one person today about Jesus and, and Lord, use me. We have people today that are major soul winners that when we first met them, they couldn't even look you in the eye. When they talk to you, they talk to the person behind you. They were so insecure. They couldn't even look you in the eye. And they just look over there. And they're talking to you. It's quite funny. You know, when people talk to somebody, you look in the eye, but they don't just look over there. 
I mean, know what I'm talking about. But they, the biggest soul winners on the planet. Some of them that are so dysfunctional, they're the biggest soul winners on the planet. They go into places. We have, we have people take over whole restaurants. We, we've got people jump on city buses and pray for people. We've got people going to nightclubs and just take over the whole thing. I mean, we had guys going to gay country and western bars. They didn't care where they were. They just preaching the gospel, praying for people. You know, because Jesus is not offended. He's not offended. And he's not ashamed. Let me ask you a question. If you hear about somebody that has done something wrong, what's your first reaction? Oh, no. That's terrible. I can't believe they did that. You want to know why? How many want to know why you react that way? What's the terminology for that? Huh? Shame. You feel shame. Whose shame is it? Theirs or yours? Whose shame is it? Theirs or yours? It's your shame that pulls you back like that. Jesus has no shame. That's why he can walk into a bar and put his arm around somebody and say, I love you. He can find a drug addict that's high on cocaine and talk to them and say, I love you. I'm going to use you in a powerful way. He's not ashamed. The Holy Ghost is not ashamed. When I was being attacked by this person back in the 90s, and I was in prayer, I said, Lord, it's not fair. This person, they keep attacking me, and it just looks like they're getting away with it all the time. And and the Lord said, I, I said, Lord, please, what are you going to do about it? He said, who? I mentioned the person's name. He said, who's that? <laughs> he said to me, I've never heard of them. I don't know them. Yeah. That shocked me. I said, you know them. <laughs> they national. He said, I never heard of them, son. When that happened, a peace came over me. I thought, if God hasn't heard of them, what, what am I? Which he said, depart from me, I never knew you. You work of iniquity. I thought, you know what? You worried about nonsense. God doesn't even know who they are. So tonight, before we equip every one of you, we're going to put these tools in your hands. We have them in English and Spanish. We have them in over 50 languages. We have them in the language of the Inuit, the Eskimo. We've got them in native languages from around the world, Papua New Guinea, even Pigeon. We've got it in Haitian. No, we've got it in German, Dutch, French, Portuguese, Arabic. And these methods will work if you just use them. And all you have to do, here's the only prerequisite that you need. You just need to know how to read. If you can read, you can lead people to Jesus. Everything takes about three minutes. And if you just stick to what we're telling you, God will use you effectively to pray with people every day and they'll get saved. Somebody said, well, how do we know they're getting saved? It depends on who's saving you. Like the thief on the cross when he said, Lord, remember me when you come into the kingdom. 
And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. If, if Jesus was a theologian, he would have said, no, hang there another hour, you rotten thief. Besides that, you haven't listened to my whole series on repentance in the Greek. And that's going to take you about six weeks. The guy's dying. He doesn't have six weeks to be saved. Lord, remember me when you come to kingdom. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. You can't earn this. These people want to get people saved. They make it so difficult. 13 weeks. 27 weeks. Some people have gone through so many religious systems. Some people, bless their hearts, they've been circumcised so many times, there's nothing left. <laughs> it's not funny. That's called spiritual manip- um, mutilation. It's terrible. You jump through this hoop. You jump through that hoop. If you jump through that hoop, then you become acceptable. Jesus already accepts you. The blood is sufficient. The cross was sufficient. It is finished. It is done. Now, one more thing. We're going to pray, and then we're going to mobilize everybody. In the early hours of March the 17th, when that fire came in my room, and I don't have time to repeat the story, but my whole life changed. The thing that overwhelmed me was the love of God for people. And I found myself many, many months later just weeping. I'd sit at the table, be eating food, and just start to weep. Everybody look at me, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. What's wrong? You could just feel the love of God for people. Well, I never thought we'd travel again. You know, on these, on these city tours and stuff, and as we traveled to the nations, I would stand there as thousands of people would come forward, and I'd stand there and weep as the altars, as they would respond. And then I realized those were the people that I was weeping over. And that I was weeping over was the heart of God for those people. The heart of God, how much he loves people. If you knew how much he loves you, if the people, even in the casino today, and obviously you can't run down there and interrupt them while they're busy worshiping God. Security will throw you out. We understand, we understand all that. But you can't catch them when they leave. In the, in the street, on the way out, you can't stop them and say something. But if the people knew how much God loved them, if you knew how much he loved you today, You'd never have a depressed day ever again. And you'd be a total peace because his love would sustain you. And it's that love that will carry you to reach a lost and dying world. Would you, would you never be criticized? Oh, no. You'll be criticized. That's, that'll happen. I've never met one man of God around the planet, and I've been in 92 countries. This is my 44th year. I've never met anyone that's ever been used of God that hasn't been criticized or attacked. And I've asked many of the greats, how did you make it? They said, son, ignore it. 
and just stay focused doing what the work is that God's given you. Don't retaliate. Just stay focused. Because there are times when I prayed and thought, you know, I'm a hunter. How many know I'm a hunter? Who knew I was a hunter? Oh, yeah. Everything I do is a headshot. I'm a sniper. I thought, I'll free the body of Christ up of this vermin. <laughs> I'll preach by day and vigilante by night. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a clean house, I'm telling you. And just, because you start thinking along those lines. Who are these people? That's why I always told people, pray that I always stay saved. And pray that I never backslide. Because if I do, there'll be people go missing. I promise you right now. People say, I wonder what happened to that guy. He was a real attack the church. Yeah. Something happened. <laughs> he got hit. Long range. No. So if the love of God does not sustain you, then you start to move in the natural and you get yourself into trouble. Well, I'm going to sue them. You'll be suing people all days of your life. Just leave them alone. Let God deal with it. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord, and I'll repay again. And just leave it. Well, what about my reputation? Oh, you had a reputation, did you? Wow. You actually had one. Amazing. Uh, what was your reputation? Do you mind telling me? Because the reputation of everyone in the room is before Jesus came, we were all sinners on our way to hell. What stops people from stepping out and doing stuff for the, for the Lord? They're afraid that they might look like a fool and they're worried about their reputation. What reputation? Well, people always know I'm a stable person. Oh, they really do. Let's talk to your family. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very stable person. Oh, you're a horse. <laughs> you live in a stable. I want to pray right now, and I want to ask every single one of you if you bow your heads. Service is not over as in a classic Pentecostal service. The moment you tell people to bow their heads, they think it's the end of the service, which in most cases, people are just happy the service is over. They can get out and go eat at the buffet, which is about the most scriptural thing they do. Because Paul said, I buffet my body daily. <laughs> but tonight, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give an invitation. If you came here into this place tonight, you don't know Jesus, never given your life to him, never said, Lord, come and save me. You've never repented of your sin, but tonight you want to accept him as Lord and Savior. Tonight, 
You've heard the gospel as the Lord's calling you. What would happen if tonight was your last night on the earth? What if a dude walks in here with a, with a shofar, blows the thing at the most inopportune time, and the moment I give an altar call, he leaves? I'd take that thing and insert it so far up his rear end that he'd have to have it surgically removed. What has gone on here in the city? People roam around with shofars. <laughs> you know, religion is a terrible thing. That's not going to set anybody free. I got news for you. Just look like a lunatic. Moment I'm given an altar call, he leaves with his horn. <laughs> Jesus. It's not even a shofar, it's a kudu horn. It comes from Southern Africa. Proper shofar is about that big. Oh, God help me. I'd rather hear a donkey bray at midnight in a tin barn. So what would happen if tonight was your last night on the earth? You breathed out your last breath. Where would you spend eternity? That's important. Found yourself dead in your bed with a shofar. <laughs> Welcome to Las Vegas. Tonight you can make a decision for eternity. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Maybe you came here tonight, you say, look, I gave my life to the Lord, but I've grown cold. I've allowed the things of the world to come in. I've lost my first love, the peace, the joy that I had. Maybe stuff's hidden, pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, hidden things that clog the heart of man. Maybe this stuff's outward that everyone can see, which makes it even worse because you feel useless. But God said, I'm a God of a second chance and a new beginning. Maybe you hear tonight, you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord years ago, but storms came against my life, especially the last four years. Sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened 
And I, I, I can't even, I don't know how to get back, but I want to get back to my first love. I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Will you surrender to him tonight? Somebody said, why are you doing this right now? Because God's going to use you to win many souls to him. But we want to get you right before you, you do that. And then maybe you hear tonight, you say, Pastor, I do love the Lord, but I don't have the assurance. I don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm a child of God. I want to know that I know. If this is you and you fit into any one of these categories tonight, I want to pray with you and for you. Remember this, when God looks at people, he looks at their heart and he looks at your temperature. You're either hot, lukewarm or cold. This is not the time to be lukewarm. This is the time to be hot on fire for God. If you fit into these categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Right where you are, quickly, put your hand up right now. Say, pray for me. I need Jesus tonight. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Put it up high right now. God bless you. 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 Just slip it up high and say, yes, that's me. Last night, we had, I believe, 96 people respond to the altar. Once you've raised your hand, you've been put it down. I want you to look at me in this section over here quickly. If you did not raise your hand, but you want to be included, the prayer we're going to pray right now, quickly, put that hand up right now and say, include me. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Just step it up higher. Don't delay. Somebody said, I'll wait till tomorrow. No, tonight, tonight, tonight. In this middle section, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included in the prayer we're going to pray right now. Quickly put your hand up. Anybody else? Right over there. Thank you, dear lady. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Then this section over here, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included in the prayer. God bless you. Anybody else? Slip it up high. I want every person to raise your hand to stand, please. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Everyone that raised your hand, stand. Stand all across the building. Stand, stand, stand. Stand, stand, stand. I'm going to ask you to come from where you are and come stand right here in the altar. We're going to pray together. Come, come. Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, 
want you to look at me right now. We're going to pray a very simple prayer, one prayer for us all. If you've been busy with God, God means busy with you. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. And really, it's none of my business. I know what Jesus has done. Somebody says, yeah, but you don't know where I've been. I don't need to know. I know where Jesus has been and what Jesus has done and where he's been cancels out what you've done and where you've been if you believe tonight. You can't buy this. You can't earn it. You just humble yourself to receive it. So I want you to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven and pray this together with me. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. I will be saved. So Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. And I turn my back on sin. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. From this night, I'll never be the same again. I receive the free gift of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day, not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, we pray. I break every bondage, every addiction, everything that hell has thrown at them, I break it off of them tonight. And from this moment, Jesus is their Lord, and they receive the heavenly realm of eternal life and your abundant life and your Abundant blessings in Jesus' name we pray now. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now just lift your hands and thank him right now. Just thank him right where you are. Just thank him. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Just thank him. Thank him right now. Amen. Now, I want you to look at me. How many of you believe the Lord can use you to talk to one person a day about Jesus? Huh? You know, people tell me, I, I don't really talk. I said, give me your phone. And when you look at the total talk time, you realize they actually do talk. So when you're excited about something, you actually talk. And God's going to use you to tell people about Jesus. Because there's people you're going to reach, I can't reach. There's people you know, I, I don't know. There's places you go, I can never go. There's people you're going to reach that will never come to one of these services, ever. But when the service is in you, you'll go to them. And they'll say, I see Jesus in your eyes. And I hear Jesus in your voice. And I feel Jesus in your touch. Amen. And you'll be used of God in a powerful way to touch the lives of many people. Amen. And if God could take me to 92 countries, what's he going to do with you? Who knows? Who knows what the Lord's going to do with you? Eternally will tell. Amen. 
I've had many people come to me over the years and say, man, I came and answered the altar call back 1984, 1986, 1990, and now I'm doing this and God's using me. One kid was on drugs. In Florida, called him out, prophesied of him. He was running from the police. Today, he's a pastor of a mega church in Europe. <laughs> I didn't know that. I had no clue. He actually grabbed a friend of mine and said, tell Rodney that it was in these meetings that God arrested me and turned my life around. I thought, a kid in my meeting, running from the police, dr- dealing drugs, is now a mega church pastor with thousands of people in a church in Europe. Ooh. When I called that kid out, I didn't know what he was going to be. But the Lord knew what he was going to be. And I never judge a book by its cover. So I, but your appearance, I know people worried about their appearance. I don't, I, I don't even let that bother me. I just, because I've seen God use strange people. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if you think God uses people just because of their appearance, you're smoking crack. It's got nothing to do with that. God uses you because his hand's upon you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know, people say, I'm too tall, I'm too thin, I'm too fat, I'm too small. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're a midget, God will use you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You'll be the most anointed midget on the planet. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you can go back to your seat. We're going to mobilize everybody right now. God bless you. Welcome to the family. I want the ushers to come. We're going to hand out the gospel sowing script. I'm going to show you how symbol this is to use. I want the ushers to hand them out down the road to everybody. We have it in English, Spanish. The other languages, you can go to revival.com, go to Soul Winning Tools, and you can download all the stuff on our website. It's free. It's copyright, so copy it right. It works. That's how we've reached 47 million people saved. That's how we reach in the harvest in the city of Tampa. You can't go anywhere in the city of Tampa. Probably four times a member will stop you and get you saved. That's just how it is. People run river walk. They come to the church and say, man, four of your members saved me this morning. I got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost three times just while I was jogging. And the people, they don't care. They don't, they don't take no for an answer, you know. So we're going to show you how to use this. Now, once again, how many promise to say, Pastor, I promise you from now till Jesus comes, I'm going to tell one person about Jesus every day. Just one. Wave your hand at me, all those that just one. Hold the script up and wave it at me. Yeah, come on. So, what does this mean? Now, listen to me. There's more than 120 people here doing that, but just to show you how it operates, at 120 people multiplied by 365, that's 43,800 people a year will hear the word of the Lord just from 120 people committing to talk to one person a day. Now, let's say that out of this group, let's say there was over 700 here tonight. Let's say 500, you know, because the shofar guy left and other people. (laughs) So, trust me, he'll be blowing up tomorrow. But, um, all right. Just if 500, if 500 committed, I'll tell one person, that's 182,500 people a year were here by Jesus. 
Now, somebody said, well, are they really saved? <laughs> like I said, depends on who's ministering to them. One preacher said, are these people really saved? I said, look, I don't know. I deal with a lot of ministers. I don't know if they're saved. <laughs> The testimonies of this is huge. A young man stopping in New, ha- New London, Connecticut at a gas station to get a coffee in Philly's tank. Never heard of Jesus. Somebody stops him and read the script to him. He prayed the prayer quick, jumped in his car and drove back up to New Hampshire. Three years later, he's a valedictorian at the Bible school. And they asked him to please give his testimony. He said, a crazy thing happened to me three years ago. I stopped at a gas station to fill my tank and get a cup of coffee. And someone prayed a prayer with me. I didn't even understand what I prayed. But when I drove into my town in New Hampshire, there was a church and there was a sign, Bible school, enroll now. I heard a voice, go there. That's how I came to school. And he graded valedictorian of the class. The person who prayed with him at the gas station probably thought, yeah, didn't really mean much. But let me tell you, when the Holy Ghost tags you, it's not release. It's not a tag and release. When the Holy Ghost tags you, you're done. You are done. You're done. Millions of testimonies now of people in retirement homes, assisted living homes, on university campuses, in schools, in places of government that are getting saved, just off of this. One of our ladies went into an assisted living home. There was a lady curled up in a fetal position. She's dying, she's 83 years of age. She was groaning. She was lying like this. The soul went and said to the nurse, can I talk to that lady? He said, no, she's unresponsive. She has not spoken for two weeks. She hasn't had water or food. She'll be dead in an hour. I'm a nurse. She won't even talk to me. She does not respond. The soul went and said, please, I beg of you, let me speak to her. No. I mean, she was trying to get belligerent. No, you're not going to. The third time she said, I beg you, please, can I talk? Okay, we'll go. You'll see if she won't. She walked in there, shook the lady. The lady opened her eyes and looked straight in the eyes of the soul. And she says, my soul is lost. The reason she was groaning, because she knew she was dying and there was no one to tell about Jesus. The soul and looked at her and said, your soul will not be lost anymore. Pray this after me. Prayed the prayer when she got to amen the woman. She walked out. A minute later, the woman's gone, dead. I can just see the demons that were supposed to show up with their soul in hell arrive there. And the devil says, where, where is she? <laughs> and, they, and they said, uh, uh, your lowness, your lowness. We had her in our clutches. <laughs> but those people went to that Holy Ghost and fire service <laughs> and they got the anointing and they got that script not the script (laughs) 
Yes, and, and they came in there. We had her in our claws, and they snatched her out of our grasp. You idiots. I confine you to the United States Senate. And you will be in the executive branch. A man at a bus stop, Minneapolis, Minnesota, standing with a briefcase. I saw one who walked up to him and started the first questions on the script. Has anyone ever told you God loves your great plan for life? If you die today, will you spend eternity? The blood drained from his face. He was shaken visibly. He said, yes, two days ago, a lady asked me the question, and I cussed her and said, get away from me. But I have not been able to sleep for two nights. Can you please help me? And he gave his life to Jesus and got saved. Stories out of London, England. Pray for a lady. She goes around the corner, bus hits her and kills her. Listen, many stories. Paris, France, over 240,000 people on the streets of Paris saved. Egypt, Middle East, everywhere. God doesn't care. The gospel has no geographical boundaries. And this is a simple tool that will help you. One other story quickly, and then Pastor Eric is going to come and demonstrate how it works, and you're going to use it. It's like a loaded gun. <laughs> we went into assisted living home. I walked in there. I thought, let me just go in there. I had not been. And there was an area that said Alzheimer's unit. I thought, you know what? Those, that room's full of people lost their mind. And I have a lot of people say, I've lost my mind. So maybe I could reach somebody that's lost their mind. <laughs> I walked in and I wasn't ready for what happened. I walked into the room, and as I walked into the room, a little lady looked up, and she saw me. She said, Frank, Frank, my son, you've come to see me. And I looked around, and there was nobody. And she was looking at me. I was Frank. <laughs> and I thought, I've got to tell this lady. My heart broke for her because many people dump their parents there, and they don't ever come back. Are you with me? With Alzheimer's or dementia. And I looked at her and I thought, I've got to tell her that I'm not Frank. I was about to say, uh, and the Lord said to me, today, you're Frank. <laughs> and then I thought of all the times that I've been preaching and said, let me be frank with you. <laughs> so I thought, I'm Frank. I looked at her and I said, mom. I'm so glad to see you. She came, she flung her arms around me, kissed me on the cheek. And for three minutes, she snapped out of dementia. I prayed with her. She prayed with me, dear Jesus, come to my heart, forgive me, I'm a sin, whatever. And then when she said amen, she went back into some babble and walked off. Like she'd never seen me before, just walked off. That lady will be in heaven. I will see her there. Because let me tell you, that's what it's going to take. Do not write anybody off. How many of unsaved loved ones, people that are your family, but they're not saved? Wave your head at me. Wave your head at me. All those that have unsaved loved ones. Okay. So what about if the Lord's going to bring them in this next year? 
as you reaching out to pray for somebody else's unsaved loved one, somebody's going to reach out to pray for your unsaved loved one. And you're going to get a call. They're going to say, you won't believe what happened to me. What happened to you? Somebody stopped me and said, has anyone ever told you God loves you? Great plan for life. And you say, I know exactly what happened to you. <laughs> Jesus saved you. It's a simple method. It works if you use it. Pastor Eric. Hallelujah. Does everybody have one of these? Okay. Does anybody need one that doesn't, that didn't get one? Okay, for those watching on television, revival.com forward slash soul and tools. I'm going to get Butch to help me real quick. Real simple method. Um, we use this method. We call it power evangelism because Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. And then Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation everyone that believes. Someone says, I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. Second Timothy 1, 7, the Lord is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Soul winning is not a program. It's a passion. Soul winning is not an event like tonight. It's a lifestyle and souls are the currency of eternity. So I'm going to get Butch to come up. Let's pretend like, well, Butch and I, we work, we're just role playing here. Pretend like we don't go to church. You know, we go to church. I go to church, but he doesn't. And we work in the IT business together. And so I've been praying for this guy. He definitely needs to get saved. You know, so, um, and I invite him to lunch. So all I'm going to do is read this. This can be read to somebody you know, somebody you don't know. But we're going to use this as an example. So just take this out. Now, let me just interject by saying this. You might memorize a thing. Don't quote it. Read it. The moment you look at somebody in the eye and just talking like this, it's a confrontation. The moment you're reading it, they, they want to see what you're reading. <laughs> and when most of the times, when you finish praying, they say, can I have that? <clears throat> for what? I'd like to go pray with my wife. I'm telling you, this is how it works. Go for it. True. Okay, so now we're at lunch. I invited him to lunch. Hey, let's get something to eat, man. So we're at work. We get something to eat. And now I'm just going to read it to him. So here we go. You guys follow along, all right? Hey, Butch, has anybody ever told you that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life? Yeah. Okay, I got a real quick but important question to ask you. If today was your last day on earth, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you'd go to heaven? Yeah. Okay, great. I'm not sure if this mic is working, but... No, it's, it's not working. Okay, okay. Great. Okay, you said yes. Okay, great. Why would you say yes? I watched this crazy preacher on Texas News. <laughs> and he blew his show for him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say yes? Because I watched the crazy preacher. Okay, all right. Number Number one answer in the world when you go and went, uh, minister to people, they're going to say something like, yeah. And you say, why? And they say, well, other than that, I'm a good person. I try to help people. I do things right. I That's buy gonna... all the drinks for everybody at the bar. <laughs> help little old ladies across the street, stuff like that. It's going to be works. You know, it's going to be good work. So I'm a good person. Now, if they say anything other than 
Uh, you know, if they, they could say, I go to church, but, you know, hey, the devil goes to church, you know, so we're not going to get into an argument with people, but unless they say, I'm saved, I'm born again, I've accepted Jesus, I got a personal relationship with Christ, something like that, you proceed with the gospel, so on the scripture card. So I'm a good person. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> let me quickly share, and then we're at the bottom. Let me quickly share with you what the Holy Bible reads. It reads, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible also reads that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and you're a whosoever. Of course you are. We all are. Turn your card over to the back. Remember, even though he might just be staring at me, saying, you know, remember the gospel is the power of God. So what we don't realize is if you could see in the spirit realm, the Holy Spirit's penetrating his heart saying, listen to this guy. You know, maybe the prayers of his mom or his grandmother are hitting him right now. Lots happening. So you just keep going. So that was the, the three scriptures and then turn the card over. It says, I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. It didn't say, do you have two hours? It says, I'm going to, it didn't say, do you mind if I pray? It says, I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. So just follow it. Okay. Who believes prayer still works in Las Vegas? Okay. Okay. I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. Lord bless Butch and his family with long and healthy lives. Do a quick work in his heart. And, and Lord, if he's never called upon your name, I pray he'll do so now. That's a, that's, that's a good prayer to be answered. And then it says, Butch, if you would like to know, if you'd like to receive the gift that God has for you, say this after me with your heart and your lips out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you're risen from the dead. And you're coming back again for me. And you're coming back again. For Fill me. me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost. Give me a passion for the lost. A hunger for the things of God. A hunger for the things. And a holy boldness. And a holy boldness. To preach the gospel. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm on my way to because heaven. I have Jesus. Because I have Jesus in my heart. Now, the next part I say, you know, Butch, as a minister, well, you read it right here. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I tell you today, all your sins are forgiven. Remember this, run to God and not from God because he loves you and he's got a great plan for your life. Isn't that awesome, man? That's awesome. Now, Butch, I go to a, I go to a church with a crazy preacher that someone blew a shofar, Revival Today Church, and I'd, I'd love for you to come on Sunday morning with me. Just come one time, just check it out. I believe the Lord's doing a great work in your heart. And uh, so if you come one time, and if you like, you're great. If not, that's fine. But could you come with me this Sunday? I'd love to introduce you to some people. And Sure. Okay, that's great. Now, now we're you're shaking my hand. You're a man of your word, right? I'm a man of my word. For sure. You're going to come. So I can let them know you're coming. That's it. All right, man, I'll pick you up. It'll be Sunday at 10 a.m., and then you introduce them to your church. And you make a disciple, and you follow them up, and you pray with them. Thanks, Butch. All right. Now, we've seen churches go from two, 300 to four, 500, 600. Obviously, you've got to look after people. You have to disciple them. It's not just, you know, come in and... Just sit in the pew. You have to get involved in people's lives. That's what church is. 
And we've seen people that were saved under bridge who now married to have children and are preaching. Total throwaways. So um, there's people here in the city that need to get Jesus. They'll never come to church, but they're going to see you. So let me close with this. I want everybody to stand, if you would. Have you had a good night tonight? Now, the meeting's not over tonight. There's still tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Who's going to be here at 10 o'clock in the morning? Have a look around. Have a look. Have a look who's going to be around. Okay. Who's going to come tomorrow night? Wave your hand. Okay. So it's going to be powerful here. Try to bring some people with you. Just join hands where you are and lift those hands to heaven. And let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for what you've done, for the moving of your spirit tonight and for the word, for the harvest of souls, and for the precious ones that have said, we'll tell one person about Jesus. Help them to do just that. For every minister here, show them how to reach and mobilize their people to get outside the four walls of the church and to bring in this harvest. Open the doors into this community, into the different realms, whether it be business or government or even some of the, the stuff that's happening here, that they'll go in, no fear, a holy boldness, and they'll take territory. That Lord, even in the next three years, when we come back, we'll, we'll not even recognize Las Vegas about the great things that you are doing. Now, Father, as hands are raised, I pray that you would just pour your spirit upon them with the fresh touch of heaven. In the name of Jesus, be filled right now. That's it. Fill them to overflowing with your joy unspeakable. Fill them to overflowing with the new wine of heaven. That's the power of God falling right now. Fill their cup to overflowing. There's people here the Lord wants to bless with that heavenly gift. Just go ahead and begin to speak in other tongues right now. Come on, let it bubble forth. Give him a fresh touch from heaven. The Lord, there's some people that are praying in the Holy Ghost, but they have no joy. They have no joy for whatever reason. Can you fill them with that, with a touch of joy? Can you fill them with the oil of joy and gladness? Father, we cannot send sad people out. Your word says you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Thank you that even tonight they leave this place filled with your joy, filled with your peace, filled with your goodness, filled with your grace. Hallelujah.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just lift those hands. Just lift those hands. The power of God's falling all over this room. Somebody say, well, how do you know? I I can feel it. It's like I'm standing in a shower right now. Fresh. Fresh touch. Fresh touch. Fresh oil. Fresh touch. I, I want every pastor, I want every pastor, if you just step forward, come stand here right now. If you're a pastor of a local church, or any church, maybe not local, maybe it's wherever, quickly, all the pastors, just come stand here, all together, come, come. Not, not one line, just put them all here in the middle, Come. Wow. This is awesome. How many are local pastors here in the city? God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Whose whose church is a little further away from here? Okay. So here's what I'm believing God for. That even when you get back home, you're going to see a greater harvest of souls than ever before. And when you preach, always preach for the harvest. Even if you give an altar call and maybe one person comes forward, it doesn't matter. Always give a call for people to get saved. We've had unusual things happen in our city to where I've been preaching, and then in the middle of the service, two ladies walking down the aisle, come walk down. I said, what are you doing here? They said, we don't even know what this is. So what do you mean? We were driving down the highway. We heard a voice said, go in there. That man will help you. So one thing, when you go off to souls, and God knows that you'll be faithful with them, he'll send people to you. And it's one thing to build a church from people that came from another church. But it's another thing to go get total sinners and fill your house with people that don't know anything. They don't know the church doesn't have to be an hour. They don't look at their watch after 90 minutes. They just love Jesus. And they'll be there as long as what needs to take place. Because whatever you build and cater for is what you're going to have. If you build and cater for lukewarm people, you'll have a church full of lukewarm people. If you build and cater for critical people, you have a church full of that. Don't get upset if somebody leaves. Just love them. God bless you. Thanks for being here. And just keep going after souls. Which that's harder when the church is small because you feel like two people left. I don't want to lose them. But some people, they're not going to be builders in the house. They're what I call scaffolding. If you build a building, you always got scaffolding. Amen. They're just there temporarily. It's just the way it is. Somebody said, he called me a scaffold. Well, that's, that's what you are. You know, <laughs> you cannot build a house with scaffolding. It's needed, but 
people, people come and people go. As a church, if you focus on the harvest, you, you'll not be collecting lint from people's navels on Sunday. Because <laughs> that's what people do. Everything's internal. and Everybody, Monday, Mary Sue's leaving the church. But I tell the people, people come, people go. Just stay focused on the harvest. Stop worrying about who's leaving or who's not, whatever. Obviously, as a, as a pastor, you have to leave the 99 go after the one. I don't have a problem with that. But sometimes the one don't want to be there. And you end up spending so much time after the one, the 99 die. So the son of man's come to seek and save that which is lost. I don't want people from other churches. There's some people that come to church and I, I tell them, you, this is not your home. What do you mean? We like it. No, no. It's not your home. You need to go back where you came from. I've got a vehicle that's going to take you to another church. Because I know they're going to cause problems. And I'm going to deal with them. So right, hear them off right at the start. Say, look, you know. People get so desperate to build a church, they accept anybody. What do you do? I play the kazoo. We've been believing God for a kazoo player. <laughs> What do you do? I play the chauffeur. We need another one. <laughs> and, and so then you end up accommodating these ministries that are not even ministries. Can I, can I say this right now? Do, do you know that praise and worship is not a ministry? Everybody should be praise and worshiping. Praise and worship has got nothing to do with the fivefold ministry. Jesus never had a band and went out and they all sang and <laughs> Peter lit. It's not even scriptural. So all these people want to run around, do worship services all over. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. You can worship till the cows come home, the moon turns green, and the monkeys chew tobacco and never see revival. Revival comes off with preaching. All these people run around with worship services and people sing in the city square and all that. And then, Jack, if you don't preach and get people saved, you're not doing anything. I'm just going to let you know. Now, I know that irritates some people because that's what they're Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a worship leader, whatever. Sit in a church and help the local church, you ugly thing. <laughs> Sit and run around with your banjo thinking you're going to bring revival. You ain't bringing nothing, Jack. There's a five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. And everybody should be in a local church. Somebody said, I can't find one. Why? Well, they're not perfect. Neither are you. And even if you found a perfect church, the moment you walked in, it would have a defect and it would be you. <laughs> so, somebody said, I hate church. I love church. I don't like religion. and We don't tolerate it, but I love church and I love the body of Christ. Can you say amen? So I'm going to pray just over here. Just lift your hands. Father, I pray over these precious pastors that have been laboring in your vineyard. And I pray that there would be an increase that would come even out of this weekend into their ministry, into the outreach, and in the mobilization of their people for the harvest of souls. And I pray especially over the city of Las Vegas. And I thank you. Praise God. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you pastor here locally, pastor? You're a local pastor? How long have you been in the city? Uh, ten years. Ten years. Well, get ready for what God's going to do. Yeah, get ready for what God's going to do. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Everybody say souls. Souls. Everybody say the harvest. Harvest. Praise God. Well, I think we're just seven minutes to midnight. And the buffet downstairs is, oh, no. Kidding. <laughs> we want you to know we love you. Don't miss tomorrow, 10 o'clock, tomorrow night, final service. Evangelist, you want to say something? He doesn't want to say anything. Get out of here. Just get out. Love you. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.